Welcome to episode 484 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Righto, team, welcome along to episode number 484 of I Am Talk with Coach John Yusum and Bevan James. Oh, how you going, mate? Oh, I'm a bit dodgy, Bevan. What's that? Falling to pizza or hay fever. Oh, I'll give you a tablet. Do you want a tablet? I've had tablets. I've had, I've had everything. Because you, know, you know what's happened to me this year, John? I'm, I get pretty bad hay fever. Do you, yeah. what, how does hay fever come through for you? Northwest winds. No, but I mean, like, how's it showing? And is it itchy eyes? And Just, you do look, look, at Just look at me. Just look at me. Yeah, so I get itchy eyes. Seriously, put your fingers in your eyes and a, and itchy top of the throat. And and I've never taken the drugs. This yeah. year I took the drugs. <laughs> Mind blowing. Wow, funny there. <laughs> it's funny. You know, sometimes in life, and you go to yourself, why didn't I do that earlier? Yeah. Yeah. It turns out that's that's the case for me. So so if I'm sniffling away, I apologise about that. But I'm all good because it's kind of weak. It's kind of weak, Jumbo. So it's not quite the same this year. No, we're not there, are we? We're not there. No. I'm not racing. You're not racing. But it still should be a fantastic day at the office. Okay, Jumbo. So first of all, I'm Talk is proudly brought to you by Athletics.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. You're gonna to have to say the patrons because I've got to open the show notes. And our patrons, we've got Cam, Magic Man, Hanson. The Magic Man. Andrew, too smooth mold. Evan, Despicable Me, Collier, Robert the Mighty Flynn, and Bruce Tomahawk Tomlinson. Nice. Love those nicknames. If you want to be a patron of the show, you can go to www.iamtalk.me. Okay, guys, in this week's show, it's all about Kona, really. We've got some news. We've got our Kona Super Special, and that's pretty much it. That's it. Jumbo, before we get into the main news, great weekend for sport. Oh, let's not talk rugby. Let's oh, come on, save John. that to the end. If we were in Australia's position, then it would be harping on about it. Let's have rugby hour at the end. No, but wait a second. It's Kona the week. Bombs, yeah, bad luck, Pops. Were you happy, were you happy they were out? Yes. <laughs> yes. So, I'm sorry, I support England in just about, I think I support them in most sports, but it's very odd. We Most Kiwis really dislike the English rugby team. It's interesting because it was kind of our two bogey teams, wasn't it? Kind of England and yeah. Australia. Yeah. The reason I wanted that England out was, in my mind, I was thinking, well, if you get England out, they're going to be pretty strong at home in the finals. That wasn't my rationale. They just—they're a bit like the Aussie cricket team. They've got this reputation of being buffheads. <laughs> and uh, come on, we don't. No one likes the Aussie cricket team except the Australians. No, no one, no one does. Team. And no. I don't really follow the English rugby team much anymore. But in the past, they were just meat axes. There we go. So there you so go. There you go. That That's why we wanted them gone. That's rugby wrap. Okay. Well, because I got an email from Michael Blakely. I think it was at Blakely, and uh, he was very upset. Yeah. Because he, he went he, the week before he sent me emails about the Welsh game. They should have won the Welsh game. They should have. Yeah, that was the mistake. The Australia were. They lost that game. Australia beat them in that yeah. game. Okay, we, so hold on. Oh, we're going back to the rugby now. <laughs> we shouldn't be crying too hard because I don't think we're in a very good position. No, we're not playing that well either, are no. we? But the only thing I will say is the Welsh are so bloody injured; it's mm. got to hurt them. And actually, is having four hard weekends in a row a good thing or not? So that's what we're going to find out soon. Anyway. I am talk guys, that's what we were talking about. I man Chattanooga happened over the weekend, Jombo, or a couple weekends ago actually. And we had is it the closest? Is Ironman New Zealand from years ago closer? Well, um, this is the first that I can recall, and I'm not going to put this 
John Newsom's seal of approval on this. No, I don't recall there being a three-way sprint finish. But we've had a number of sprint finishes. So we've had the we always bring up the um, Pauli Kuru and Ken Glar one in Auckland, and that was very close. But there's definitely been other sprint finishes in Ironman races, especially in, in recent years. But I don't recall there being a three-way sprint. So, so when did the three-way sprint start? Because one guy fell off the boat by about seven or eight seconds, didn't he? By the by the finish line. They were together right up to the end. Like really? he was, I think he got popped. The footage that I saw was only the last yeah, 100 metres, yeah. but they were pretty much together coming into the final K or something like that. So I think he maybe got popped just before the sprint wow. opened up. But it was a yeah, full-on sprint finish between Kirill Kozigarov from Estonia and Matt Shrabot. And uh, just because he's got a funny name, Kozigarov took it by, well, it says two seconds in here. It looks a bit closer than that in the yeah, footage. Yeah, it did look too, didn't it? But they both had strong days, 44 minutes swim, well, 44 for, for Krill and 40 minutes for Matt Sharbot. It's a downstream swim at Chattanooga. Rode about four, 4.27 and 4.31, and then they both ran sort of 2.50, 2.51 for an 8.08. It's a pretty respectable time. That's pretty mind-blowing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Overall, uh, just overall, very close racing. You know, 808, 808, 808, 808, 812, 815, 818, 820, 821, 820. Jeepers, was a bit of a full-on sprint there. I didn't notice that. For 8th, 9th, and 10th, you had 821, 44, 48, and 54. Wow. So you got 10 seconds there covering three guys. Wow. So that would have been great spectating. Having oh, two yeah. full-on sprints finishes. Imagine, imagine being at the finish line and, you know, just the hype of knowing that the three guys are coming in together – you know, that's pretty exciting stuff. And this is what we need from these you know, second-tier racers. You don't have the Kona rock stars there, but still some great racing. You know, I'd say this is be- it's much better racing than, say, an Ironman New Zealand where Cam Brown goes off and wins by 10 minutes. Well, most Ironmen have decided at yeah. you know, least 5Ks to go, but often mm. 10, 15K to go, whereas this one, to the line, and it just... I just would have been so cool to be mm. there, and you know, because it's that whole anticipation. They would have been getting feeds at the finish line, and then to come down to that finishing shoot, and the crowd would have been an absolute nut bar. Mm. Like fantastic stuff. And uh, man, imagine it'd be so cool if we have five guys going head to head in Kona or something like that on the run. I imagine a if war you, of a trip because the closest finish was Raylu versus Mecca, and they weren't. They didn't even turn into. It was basically it was as they turned yeah. into a Lehi drive, really, wasn't it? it was that street turning off with the water Pal- station. Palani. Yeah, he, he was. He, yeah, he was coming down Palani. Yeah, so it's basically around there that you know Mecca took it. So really, we've never had something that close. Imagine no. Kona finish like that. Mm. Oh, be wicked. Oh, be I will say, I should actually see if I can find a clip. The best ever finish, though, I think, has got to be the Des Moines ITU race a few years ago, and that was a five-way sprint finish. Is that the one that Simon um, Whitfield took it? And he looks like a madman when he yeah. crosses the finish line. Well, Oh, yeah, hundred grand on the line yeah. plus a plus a Hummer or something like that. I think it was. And, also and it was a car Hummer. Because imagine the high of that. Imagine because that's you know as an athlete, the experience you want is just max effort, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and you max effort, and, and then the reward is. Did you watch the NRL final? I saw highlights. So so just on another front, we had the, the oh, rugby league. Don't want to no, know about rugby oh, league. Come on, rugby league. It's the blue blue <laughs> collar sport, John. What do you talk about AFL then? They know about it, to be honest. Uh-huh. Because I think the final was a bit boring. Yeah, apparently it was. I've watched a couple of AFL finals that were just as good as the NRL one last mm-hmm. weekend. But basically, NRL, in the last 10 seconds of the game, the underdogs scored a try to draw it. Then the guy missed the kick, went into overtime, and they won in overtime. It was just amazing sport. And that's the thing about this. You, know, you saw the players afterwards, and just that high they're on. 
And that's what all athletes want, eh? is that kind of testing moment to push through. Oh, it's just like basketball. Stuff. Basketball always comes down, last shot. But that's the main problem with basketball. The rest of the game is bloody boring. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh, cool. Good things. Uh, Carrie Lester took it out, 8.56 from Lisa Roberts in 9.08, and Kim Schwabenbauer in third, 9.14. That's a great name. Schwa- I'll see if I can get that right Schwalbenbauer I think I actually pronounced that right Yeah well, I wouldn't have a clue You know yeah. me Okay the Ironman World 30.3 Championships Have been chosen for 2017 And are going to be at Chattanooga Which is where we had the race A couple of weeks ago uh, It's going to be a two day event With the professional uh, And age group women Racing on a Saturday And then the professional Age group men Racing on the Sunday So it's good they're splitting it It is good hmm. Just hope that they split it and spread it really well in terms of if they just split it and leave the same time gaps that they would at a standard race, you know, maybe, I don't know, three or five minutes between waves, then you're still going to have the drafting problem. It's not really going to solve anything. So I just hope that they split it into two days and really spread it out so you have as minimal opportunity to draft as you as you possibly can. Of course, championship races, unless they're ridiculously hilly, you're always going to have drafting issues, but hopefully they do everything they what can kind of time to, to you spread want? it. I don't know, you'd have to sit down and work it out. Um, I don't know. I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, something like that, probably 15 minutes. Yeah, so 15-minute gap would make it a really fair race for each age group. I'd hope so. And the other thing that you'd hope they don't do is, well, I don't know. I don't know whether the size of the field matters that much with the the drafting side of things or not in each, each age group, but they certainly, I'm sure they will be certainly putting more slots at races around the world. Well, uh, basically, you could double it, really, can't you? Mm. Because if you think about a two-day race... Like at a normal one day race, at a 7.3, what's the normal numbers? Probably a couple of thousand? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, you could put that two days back to back, so you could pull off 4,000. So, actually, profit wise. And that's where you wonder where their motivation is. Do they really want fair racing, or is that their key motivation, or do they just want more bums on the seats? Or do they want both? Mm. You know, you don't always have to be cynical, John. <laughs> Most of the time you do. <laughs> okay, I remember Rocker happened. Mallorca. 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 How did you get Mallorca out of that? Spanish. Okay. Um, well, that happened last weekend. and Was that last weekend or the weekend before? It was the weekend before yeah, last. Yeah, because I see Chris McDonald had a, put a post on Facebook just saying he had a really great race and the guys in front of him just blitzed it. Mm. So Timo Brach took it out. So no Kona for him this year, I assume, unless he's backing up two weeks in a row. 49-minute swim, three, four thirty-two on the bike and 2.50 on the run for 8.17. Uh, just managed to pip James Karnema. Um, who was 8.19 so it would have been pretty only two minutes there would have been pretty close racing because James Karnema is a pretty stellar runner but so is Timo Bracht good extreme endurance athlete that he is yep. and uh, Alessandro Di Gasperi was third in 8.20 lots of good three. run times eh yes you know lots of guys around 2.50 apparently it's a fantastic course I had a guy racing there and just said the bike course was just brilliant really Age group racing is nuts over there. Apparently there was a bit of wheel sucking going on, um, but I know at my age group, 35, 39, I think there was, I'll pull it up in a second, but I think there was three three guys under under nine hours. 30 what? 30, 35, 39. 39. Just. One more just, year in that age group. Age up. Age up. Uh, and, uh, and. So what are you saying? Three guys under nine under hours? Under nine yep. hours. Yep. And just the times. And one 902. Yeah. So, yeah. I go to 10.05 and he was like, 20th or 30th or something ridiculous down there in his age group or yeah it must be all over all age groups yeah but yeah pretty so good. yeah it was uh, tough racing uh, what sort of things Daniela Seemler took it out in 924 from Emma Kate Lidbury and Martina Kuntz from Switzerland in 932 okay well there we go that's uh that's very interesting stuff we also uh, extremely interesting Bevan extremely interesting don't just palm it off it is 
Barcelona. You just got your mind on Kona. You're so excited. Oh, I'm so excited. David Police pulled out a 2.43. What an awesome run. That is fantastic. And ran through for the victory. 8.02.20 from Anton Blokin from Ukraine. 8.05. And Pierre Bittner, who's Yvonne Van Vlerken's partner, in 8.06. And then on the girls' side of things, Yvonne took the race out. So no Kona for her. She loves going to Kona every year, but I think, you know, Time to go and do some different races, and she took it out. Do we know for, for certain she's not doing Kona? Because you know Yvonne. I'm almost. I'm going to say 99 yeah, percent yeah, sure. But you know Yvonne. So she she's took it out. 8:46:44. And she, that, you're saying here fast. in our little show notes here, she is the first ever female to do ten sub nines. I know. Very impressive. That is pretty impressive, isn't it? Especially when you're coming off a 59 minute swim. Yeah. You know? um, go that fast. 4:41 on the bike, and then 3:02 marathon. That's pretty good. Yeah. Very good. But she did only win by two minutes from Kaiser Leitonen from Finland, who I've never heard of before, and Elizabeth Gruber, who I've also never heard of before, who both also went pretty fast. So, so good at the office. four girls under nine hours. Pretty impressive. impressive. Well, remember, you know, 10, 12 years ago now, you know, the sub of a nine hour for a female was such a massive thing. And I remember when those girls did it, mm. you know, there was a period where girls started suddenly cracking it. And in that last 10 years, it's, it's a bit of a regular occurrence, isn't it? Yeah, we just... Palm it off now is just a, yeah. a time these days, but 8.46, it's pretty pretty solid. Yeah. Okay, um, Ironman Maryland has been postponed um, because due to a hurricane. And I don't know all the inside facts as to whether it's been definitely cancelled at this stage, but the initial press release that came out was it was being postponed and they were looking at Maybe other opportunities. Yeah, but trying. Confirmed. But it's bloody hard to reschedule a race. There's a lot to, and you the know. problem is as well is that, you know, such a commitment – Travel-wise, to organise all that stuff, and just to think, I can delay that by two weeks. Even as a as a competitor, is a really hard thing to do. So, but you know, like you can't blame Ironman in this situation. Yeah, no, no. There was a massive hurricane coming through, so they made made as early call as they could, and uh, yeah. So, and then then Lake Tahoe apparently has been no longer the Ironman. Um, So, has there been a justification of that? No, but if I was in their shoes, you, you go. It's a really hard course, so it's going to attract less people. But if I was a race organiser, I totally understand the rationale. One year they had bloody freezing conditions. There was ice on people's bikes when they were coming out. They kept can it one year for, for fire. fire. And then this year, apparently there was threats of fire as well. So if there's going to be fire threats every year, would you want to be in that situation organising a race, playing with people going... Now, is this a place that tradition? Is it like you know in Australia we get the fires every so often? I assume so. It's happened... Almost every year, so uh, so I kind of understand that. I, you hope their rationale is it's just a difficult place to run a race because some cynics out there have been saying, "Well, you know, they take away all the hard races, you mm. know, because at the end of the day they're not selling." It really got me thinking, John, because you know when we think about, I remember when I was at university for sociology, we had this kind of you had to. To, to, to draw a picture of what you think the traditional Kiwi man is, mm-hmm. and um, and what would what would you traditionally say that is, John? Rugby, watching a bit of sport, yeah. around the barbecue, yeah, and, and a lot of the kind of Fred Dagg character. So Fred Dagg mm-hmm. is this kind of traditional kind of farming character who was a comedian in the seventies, and uh, and a lot of a lot of us students drew Fred Dagg, and then they said, well, actually, what is the real Kiwi man right now? And, and it's far from it. You know, it's more of a mm. coffee drinking kind of. Moisturising the faces. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, you know, but, you know, still cares about sport, but there's definitely a shift. And, you know, while, you know, we still kind of perceive ourselves as these characters from the past, and it made me think about this in Iron Man, is that when we think about who we are as an Iron Man, are we, do we still assume we are what 
the traditional Ironman was and what is really an Ironman nowadays in comparison. You know, like when we say what is a true Ironman now because back in the old days it was the adventure, it was mm. the person going for the challenge. Nowadays there's obviously still an aspect of that but at the same time it's is it times. Yeah, yeah. And, and also is it more just someone who wants to get a badge? Is it, you mm. know, and not saying that these are bad things but as the evolution of the Ironman competitor has moved forward, what is the true Ironman competitor today in, in good ways and bad ways? Maybe we should have a discussion a week around that. And, yeah, so I would say for those traditional, it's probably more those traditionalists who have been saying, you know, we were a hard yeah, courses. Soft. Yeah, yeah um, soft. But there is plenty of choice out there these days, you know, especially in Europe, maybe less so in the States, but there's so many epic races that you can pick and choose and it doesn't have to be a WTC race. You know, it's in Europe, man... There's Norse man, there's yeah. Celt man, there's Did Swiss you know man. From that other guy from someone in France. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's Atri man. So there's so much. There's Ember man. There's so many choices there in terms of finding those epic courses. America less so, but you've still got those uh, classic ones like Ironman Canada or not Ironman Canada. Um, was Challenge Canada. I know they're shortening the course there, but there is still a fair amount of choice out there. Louisville swim might be cancelled. Yes, because I'm coaching a number of guys that are racing there. And uh, when is it? This weekend, oh, wow. and I just happened to plug something in. I think I was actually trying to, I don't know what I was doing. Then I saw this little article come up on Google, and there was all this algae in the in the river. So it looks like there's a fairly high chance that the swim might be cancelled. Now, this is a challenge. Uh, the number of race organisers have is if you do late season races, that means you've got all summer for algae and stuff to yeah. build up. And this is what I've also faced with with the race yeah, that I organised in Christchurch. Yeah. yeah. So at the start of the season, your lakes and your rivers and stuff will probably be clear. But the further you go in, as things start to dry up, that's when the algae start to kick in. And by moving Louisville from when it's been traditionally very hot in the middle of summer, um, they've now avoided the, the, the extreme heat conditions. But now there's a high chance that swim's going to be cancelled, which is a real shame. Mm. So other news that came out this week, which is very interesting, is that Referee are being relaunched as their own brand. So a couple of years ago, it was a year or two ago, um, Challenge took over the Rev3 races as mm. their kind of introduction into the American market. And it seems, well, it's happening that, that the organisation of Rev3, who is owned by, what's the person's name? Charlie uh, Patton. Yeah, Charlie Patton. Uh, said, we're coming back. We want to be an all-American race. Made in America race series. Plans to add an enhancement to their races in 2016. Um, but they're bringing back about six or seven races in next year. So it's really interesting, isn't it? It is. So whether, whether we haven't seen any word from Challenge on this, whether they're going to retreat out of the American market or just going to stick with their own events that they've done. So but are know. these so the, the Challenge races, I don't know, but are these Challenge races, so the ones that Referee are putting on next year, are these the ones that Challenge have bought from them? Or... Yeah, it is because Cedar Point. Well, they were the they were the these are the traditional Rev three races that this year were branded as challenge races, and then they're going back to Rev three, and it looks like they may also expand it slightly as well. So yeah, challenge having a hard time of it in the states, you know, and, and we often say, oh, challenge is struggling here and here and here, but they do very very well in Europe, and they've got a really strong brand there. Um, it's just getting into America has been really hard for them. There has been the tit for tat sort of stuff with WTC races where they gain one, they lose one. They game yeah. one they lose one it just it all gets a bit messy but for their traditional races in, in, in Europe you know they're really strong they put on great events but they have struggled in in, uh, in America well and at the time this seemed like a really good strategy didn't it mm. like moving into America to, to take over a series that had 
you know, they've done pretty well with Ruth Lee, haven't they? They've really established themselves as a good kind of solid brand. They had events that consistently kind of performed. You know, when we've, we've been in the show for, what, 10 years now, and we've seen many kind of companies come in and try to compete in this Ironman market and, you know, 99% of them failed. Mm. Rev3 were the only example of a, a team that could actually make these races work. Mm. Uh, so, you know, it seemed like a really good strategy for a challenge to come and take over these guys. But, yeah, we'll have to, well, hopefully we hear something from a challenge about this. Mm. Yeah, good times. Uh, the 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 uh, WTC. Uh, are you being cynical on this one, John? Uh, not really. No, actually, I think it's quite a good one. WTC. You know that we've heard a lot about the fifty women for Kona and um and they're trying to be this equality there. WTC have not been having a bar of it, uh, no. and and they've been saying that we're going in a different direction with what we want to achieve through our sort of women for try board. We heard Hilary Biscay sort of saying, you know, they're not doing anything, and and uh, what they have come up with is two programs. They've got the women for try twenty sixteen triathlon club grant program and then they've also got the women for try 2016 collegiate scholarship program so with the club program you can get a grant of up to two and a half thousand dollars per club and then you can allocate that towards basically trying to enhance and boost female participation so that's really what this woman for try board is trying to do they want to try to get more females into the sport again you can look at that from the cynical side of things more bums on seat but look that's what they're trying to do get more women into, into that but do you think sport. this is if I'm going to play the kind of devil's advocate here do you think this is just about them taking the attention off the 50-50 no not at all okay. I just think they want more bums on the seats okay. <clears throat> that's I think their ultimate motivation is they need want more customers and, and the, the part of the market where they haven't really been able to, to crank huge leverage from is, is the females so whether it works or not, I don't know, but you get $2,500 per club to, I guess, put on, it says here, educational seminars, lectures, hosting networking events, social gatherings, um, and then the scholarship program is a, a little bit more, it looks a little bit more individual-based to try to, to create scholarships, sort of, you know, collegiate stars and stuff. So, yeah, I think it's good. What I don't know is whether it's just limited to states. states. And sure. I have sent them an email about this to ask, but I have yet to receive a reply. I doubt it would be outside of America at this stage. We'll but wait and see. Because if so, Christchurch Canterbury Triathlon Club would be in the garden, wouldn't they? Wonder why they got an email from me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's a great thing. I think that if, you know, anything that gets people encouraging well, so people moving. Here's a telling stat. You know, again, we'll go into our Kona Super Special in a moment. Uh, 72% of participants are male, 28% are female. Is that at Kona? Yes. And Which is reflective in, of the world, really, isn't it? It is, because it's, it's, it's a pro rata system at each race you go to, so that's that's not going to be the same stat anything, every single race. It's probably a little bit high, because yep. in some races, they, you know, there's not that many women, but they still give it a slot for the yep. age group. So <clears> if anything, as an overall, it's maybe more 80-20. We're getting shafted, Bevan, us guys. Yeah, well, the, it goes back to this discussion we had a while ago, is that, you know, obviously the sport is sexist against men. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, what so, so far, all our English listeners have turned off the <laughs> show, and now we've just turned off the females. <laughs> no, but, but, but the point is, Will Iron Man ever appeal to females? You know, in in in, in a mass scale of things. Now we know triathlon has the ability to, because if we look at New Zealand, we've had those women triathlon series which were massively successful. Uh, we we know that up to a certain even at ITU, it's fifty fifty, really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So we know that females love triathlon. Why hasn't there been that conversion through? And we've had this discussion, and and a lot of when we had a discussion of the week where we got the females to answer the question, a lot of them said my friends just aren't really into that level. They don't want to commit that much time. So. You know, can Iron Man ever really be a female? Can you know what? I suppose the question is, 
what percentage can they hope for? Let's say it is 80-20 right now. Is 30-70 the realistic? Is 50-50 ever really realistic? Probably not. But, no. you know, like what is their aim? So, but far out, if, if we can put more money back into the sport, exactly, it's a good thing. Jombo, do you want a sponsor now? No, we don't do that now. Let's just get into the Kona Super Special. Okay, Ba-ba-bum. okay Jombo. We were going to kick this off with an interview, but um, someone decided not to turn up. Don't, they don't turn up drug tests either and got. That's <laughs> <laughs> cold. Paid the price for that one. <laughs> oh, I wonder who it is, John. <laughs> God, teach you for not turning up for interviews. Uh, what happened, John? I was, I was sitting there on my, because I meant to do the interview by myself. Yeah. Booked out my days in my office. That's why they didn't turn out. They heard someone, someone posted on Facebook. I know, bloody hell. What was this about? Who was this? Bloody Houdini? Yeah. <laughs> So I was Wayne Kaiteri, so I jacked up the interview, um, and Bevan was going to do it. And uh, Houdini, buddy, gave me a Frank, hard time. Frank Houdini McVeigh wasn't happy. If you haven't got something good to say, Frank, don't say it at all. Yeah. Bloody hell, Frank. So we'll start off with some Kona He's stats. He's your ass. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so yeah. Some Kona stats. They send this sort of article out every year, which is where I got my my 72% uh, male athletes. It's going to be 1,717 male athletes on the start line, 664 female athletes. However, that does make it the largest field in the history of Ironman World Championships. Oh, that's, that's good to hear. Yeah. Uh, largest that, female field. Largest female field. So maybe it's not largest field overall. No. Well, I think it might be if we scroll down further. Okay. We'll find out about that. What about that? What about the average age of athletes, John? <sighs> I don't know. When I did my calculations earlier, yeah, uh, you, you you counted everybody's age last yeah. year, didn't you? Forty-three point two, approximately. That's pretty good, mate. Yeah. What, what about what about who? Which country has the most representatives? Would you want me to start ranting now or not? Well, because I think there's another rant we're going to go back to later on. Okay. <laughs> there's a definitely another rant because everyone's <laughs> waiting to hear. That's the elephant in the room right now. Everyone, because we went away last week. And you owe someone a big apology, and we're going to get to that. And it's better not be you. I think you do owe me an apology, actually, because <laughs> we went away, and a, a discussion happened the week before, and I've had bloody a thousand emails, mm, and that read a thousand. Think, seriously, I've had so many bloody emails from people saying, "Oh," and so the, a rant's going to come. So let's start the ranting now. Okay, where you go, John? United States, most represented country, seven hundred and six. Because I'm the best triathlon country in the world, John. That's mm. why. Mm. Did that come? Did you choose? You, who did you choose? Your best triathlon country in the world? When we did that discussion. I went New Zealand. You went New Zealand. <laughs> because like based was, on, I went based on numbers. And but I was, then I went probably UK. UK. Yep. I would have backed that as well. Along with Spain, they're pretty strong. Yep. Germany's pretty strong. Yeah, Germans were up there. It was it was it was hard. One hundred sixty-eight. It's yeah. a disgrace when you got Australia second most second most athletes competing. Two hundred fifty, followed by Germany. One hundred seventy-five. Great Britain. One hundred forty-eight. Canada. One hundred fourteen. Brazil. Ninety-eight. So why is the Americans? Because there's so many bloody Ironman races in America. How, but is it more that they get more slots? Like well, every race okay, in America. Go back to that website where they had all the okay. Races. So America has I don't know how many Ironmans I've got there now. Germany has what? Frankfurt. Uh, they've got one or two others. Yeah, I think they've got you have to now, say the Germans are pretty bloody sensational at triathlon. I would, I would back a German age group team against any American age group team. Uh, Australia, bloody hell, awesome. You go over to Australia, try to get a slot over there, and you'll know how hard it is. Uh, so I don't know. There's a lot in America, John. Yeah, there's a lot. If you look at the map, here's the map. Yeah. So that's, that's the Americas. Oh, shit, it's gone, it's gone as well. There's, there's a lot of races in America. So I don't know how they can even that out. I still think they should have races without slots. 
Well, uh, they, oh, they haven't yet, have they? No, so I just think... Pros. Yeah, get rid of the pros. Get rid of the pros. So anyway, that's the breakdown of countries. Then you've got, uh, yeah, so 664 females, which is a 6% increase in last year. This will be the largest field ever for an Ironman World Championships. Uh, 99 pro participants, 57 males and 42 females. Jumbo, back, take, back it up a little bit. If we go, if we go, if we look at America... And we go, there's about 13, I think, just for me, just roughly counting here. That includes Kona. And then we go to Europe. There's about 13 in Europe as well. Now, if we look at landmass, mm. people have to travel just as far in Europe to go to all in America to, if they wanted to, you know, to move around. And so in some ways, you kind of say, well, actually, it, when it's if we just go Europe versus United States, it's actually pretty even. <clears throat> so then maybe there's a lot more slots in the American races. Yeah, but Europe's a pretty big, pretty big space. And yeah, but if you look at the, like here, look at the map. America just make themselves look big on that map. Oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> I know you're right. <laughs> that map's wrong. Map. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gold. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> <That's> wrong. <laughs> oh, you're such a good argument. You, you should be in the debating team. <laughs> I should be. I've changed the map. <laughs> I've changed the map. <laughs> Because that's the thing is actually when we go based on landmass and amount of races, Europe and America pretty much are similar, but America's still getting seven hundred fifty people. Mm. So then, if we look at European races, because this is the thing, then you've got to go to different countries. Overall, in Europe, I wonder how many slots we're getting from the overall. But you know, like it's. I don't have an easy, I don't have an answer to this, but it just does seem a little bit unfair. Yeah, I, actually, I don't know if it's that, as unfair as you think. That's probably what I'm saying because if you if we break it down, sure, country by country, America gets a lot more. But if we look at landmass versus races, it's actually pretty even. And then if you went assuming all the European that countries, correct. what's that? Assuming the map, well, yeah. correct. <laughs> assuming the map is correct. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they've changed that map. But then if we went all European competitors, would it be similar to the amount in the Americas? Hmm. And maybe it might be close. So I think America probably still has a little bit more, but I don't know if it's unfair as we think. Rene Carfrey is willing to claim her third consecutive Ironman World Championship title, a feat last accomplished by Chrissy Wellington of Great Britain in 2009. So how many three-peats have we had? We've had Mark Allen. Are we talking males and females? Yeah, yeah. Dave Scott must have done a three-peat. Probably, and that would be it. Crowey didn't. He, yeah. he backed up, I think. He won consi- three. He got yeah. two. He got a double, and then he had a gap and then go and Guys like Peter Reed and stuff, they, they, they never three-peated. No. And I wouldn't be surprised if Natasha Badman did. Yeah, she probably did, surely. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so we'll probably this will be the fourth repeat if it happens. We'll go with that. Yeah. Um, what else, Yombo? After losing the men's title to Europe in 2014, Australia is out to reassert its dominance in the men's field with six Ironman World titles in the past eight years. Wow, that's pretty phenomenal. And the females have been. I don't think I've got anybody that can win it this year. No, because Jacobs is out. Yeah, I mean Luke McKenzie's there, but they've got some guys that'll be in the top five. But I don't know if they've got. They've lost that top end guy, haven't they? Mm. They've lost the guy. Top, top, top. Yeah, because you know, because they had Maka and Crowey, and you know, there was a period where the Aussie guys were just mm. dominant, and you know, then you had Marini, Marini on the other side. So, yeah, five thousand volunteers will make the Kona Day a success, and more than two hundred four thousand registered athletes representing nearly two hundred countries and territories competed in Ironman and Ironman seventy point three races this year. Who cares about seventy point three when talking about Ironman? That's a no, bad. That's a bad stat. Two hundred four thousand people. Mm. Okay, let's, let's do the figures on this one, calculator. Let's say average price, John. I mean, what are you paying now? US. Let's say 750. Okay, and 70.3? 350. So we'll say 
five handy. Okay, five hundred times two oh four oh oh hundred two thousand. I think I can work that one out. No shit, no, it's hundred two oh, million. Hundred two million. Yeah, it's mm. not bad. I take it. You take it. I would be happy with hundred two million. Yep. Yeah, would you? So would the new the new owner in China. That's right. Oh, yes, it's Chinese owners. I forgot mm. all about that. Oh, that was a little while ago. <laughs> Any other facts? Oh, here's, okay, sponsor. This is a kind of fact. Okay, here we go. Two athletes that aren't going to be there, but they've been off kicking butt elsewhere in the world. Extreme endurance athletes, Yvonne Van Vlerken. There's no real Kona aspect to that. Well, they're not racing Kona. But they're oh, the there, Kona factors are not there. And they're out oh. there smoking other people around the world. Great Yvonne, fact. Yvonne Van Vlerken, she's been a big advocate for extreme endurance for a long yeah, she time. Has, hasn't she? And as we said earlier, it's won 10, ten sub nine hour performances. First woman ever to do that. And Timo Bracht taking out Iron Man Mallorca the weekend before last as well. So we've had both those guys on the show, both been using extreme endurance for a long time. Von Van Verken even takes in the race, which is something I hadn't hadn't tried myself. Well, John, but I was speaking to a really mega athlete the other day, a lady by the name of Jean Pedersen. Yes. She was saying uh, her coach, Sean Newsom, got her on the extreme <laughs> endurance and she was going... I don't know if it was working or not, but the next day I was expecting I couldn't walk and I felt great. They were very sceptical, the girls, but yeah. I had them on there. They were probably only on it for seven to ten days before the race, yeah. uh, and they felt it made a pretty significant difference. Of course, the next day, after this, so they did a 36K trail run, um, and they haven't done anything remotely like that before in the past. They both run a half marathon, but they're not runners. Uh, and... Yeah, like they were, they were really stiff the next day in terms of just muscles were tired and, and struggling. But they did, they were able to walk up and down stairs and didn't have that aching pain. So I definitely think it helped them in terms of their performance on the day. They got through the race. Uh, yeah, it was hard, but they got through it well. Um, but certainly their recovery, they didn't have that massive DOMS that you often have. So if you are building up for another race and you've got some little build-up ones, it's a perfect thing to help you make sure that you can get through that race, get an enhanced performance, but also you can bounce back a lot quicker. So check it out, xendurance.com. Okay, get on it, team, xendurance.com for all the great sporting supplements to make you a better athlete. Okay, Jombo, I'm pulling up our Facebook. I'm going to Facebook. I'm going, I am talk top. Oh, it's just I am talk on Facebook. I am talk. We've got a discussion a week from last week, and you kind of chucked up another one yesterday, which was a really good one, which was your top three picks for the Kona. So let's do the discussion a week first, and then we'll get into the top picks as well. So, How about we just do the Kona picks, and we'll save that discussion for next week, shall okay. we? Okay, it was a good one, but there it was, was the, the funny quotes. Quite, so we'll quite, so we won't forget that. Okay, so you, we're basically the top picks. Middle, you only put this up yesterday, so we haven't got a huge amount, but let's, let's do it. Well, they're pretty consistent. Pretty, yeah. Almost everybody's picking Fredino to the, for the win. Uh, um, yeah, almost everybody. Most people are picking Keenlay as second, and then you've got all Keenlay second or third, and then you've got a bit of a random selection of other people. But And then on the female side, Unsurprisingly, most people are picking Reef uh, to take it and Carfrey to be second or third and then someone else to sort of be thrown in there. So good on Arnold Silikov. He said uh, Reef saw her running on her own on the Queen K and smiling. That's a good sign. Rinny, just because she's going to run 251 and Joyce in third, said Keenlay on the run. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Keenlay's going to take him down. Frodo will die in the lab and start walking. And Brownie, because he's a lean, mean machine. I would love to see Brownie get third. Mm, Highly unlikely. Um, Ricardo, how do you say last name? John Cordero. Okay, he's got Fredino, Keenlay, and Potts. Potts is a good pick. Uh, Reef, Cuffrey, and Joyce. The girls, it it is. It seems kind of obvious this year, doesn't it? It 
it, you know, it does. It's always, these things are always beforehand seem obvious, but after the fact may not be, but it is pretty interesting. Let's go on record with saying I don't think either of us have remotely ever come close to picking the podium. On the, especially, the podium. On the guy, especially on the guys' side. No, maybe on the girls we may have. Yeah, girls, yeah. girls you're a lot more consistent. When you had Chrissy and Marini racing, you kind of, you know, mm. you, you knew there's two of them was just getting that third. Lauren Jackman, Frodo Keenlay McKenzie, Reef, uh, Rini Reef and Mel H. Well, Mel H is actually out. We interviewed her on the show last week. I was thinking, oh, man, man, you're a real suspect starter because yeah, that injury yeah. and she is not starting. So she's oh, out. Yeah, she, she, okay. Lucy Fritz has got Reef, Calfrey, and um, Swallow. And then uh, Fredino, Van Leard, and Keenley. Zania Morrison. So I think Keenley, Van Leard doesn't get named. You know, you don't think of him, but. You know, he's won the bloody thing, and, you know, like he's not the name that pops into your head, is he? Popped into my head. Oh, I do? Okay, here we go. Uh, Zani Morrison, who smoked it up at the Abel Tasman race last weekend. Oh, did she? Took down the Mountain Snail. Oh, did she? Come on, Mountain Snail, <laughs> sharp it up. In the last couple of Ks as well. Oh, good stuff. Smoked faster. Mountain right. Snail does that race every year. He loves it. Oh, it's a great race. Um, Carfrey, uh, Neath, Angela Neath, first, I'm pretty sure it's the first time in Kona, and Reef, Neath and Reef, okay. rhymes. Fredino, Keenlay, and Cam. Another oh. one picking Cam. Okay, we've got Belle Fong, and she's got uh, Fredino, Keenlay, and Mackenzie. She's got Reef, Carfrey, and Blatchford. Gary Mayer's got Fredino, McMahon, and Keenlay, and then Reef, Carfrey, and Blatchford. Michael Johnson. Oh, I thought he was going to call him a sexist pig, but then he came back in for the second one. He's got Keenley, uh, sorry, Fredino, Keenley, and Potts, and then Reef, Rennie, and Joyce. So, a few. They've got a few people who've got their outsiders in there, like, uh, like Brownie. McMahon, Brownie. I wouldn't say Blatchford's an outsider. Potts, he's not an outsider, but he hasn't been on the podium before. Did he get last year? Fifth. Fifth, I think it was. Fourth, something like that. So, but yeah, most people are picking Reef and Carfrey. And then most people are picking Fredino and Are we doing Keenlay. our picks now or are we going back Yes, we're doing our picks. John, your picks. I am going for, and this is what I officially sent through to Torsten for his... Oh, I haven't seen my through, but... Oh, God, where's no, that love? Get anyway, John. I've got Fredino, Van Leard and McMahon. Wow. And then... That's out there. Well, it is. Fred- Come on, Keenley. Keenley probably, probably will, but I kind of... A, Fredino... If he races even 95%, you kind of think he's going to win it. If he's races he 100%. He was steady. He got, a, he got a drafting call last year. I think he might have got a puncher as well. Because there was all the talk last year. And he got a third. Yeah, but on debut. First time ever. Only done one under his belt. Now, and and, the, and, and you did have question marks around his bike. Like, well, not not you. Most people say, oh, is he? we know he's a great swimmer. We know he's an amazing runner. Can he bike? He rode with the pack last year. But this year, he is crushing it on the bike mm. so he doesn't really have a weakness but anything can happen out there so he's definitely the race favourite uh, Van Leer because he's your steady Eddie you know he'll be there or thereabouts he was there or thereabouts last year he just faded well, got, in the last he, got he was actually really happy with his race last year I remember doing the post-race interview and he was he was actually like he was really proud of his race and he was kind of like well you know because he before he'd won it so he had, he had a bad last 10k and if he'd had a good last 10k he could have been you know? Third or something like yeah. that. Yeah, Tafari, because there was only minutes between, you know, really, Keenley killed it last year. Keenley won by five minutes. Mm. And then after that, you know, like if you look between fourth, fifth, sixth and seventh, there's only a minute, two yeah. minutes. So he had a bad 10K and, and otherwise he would have had a good steady Eddie race. Yeah. So he's my steady Eddie. Fredino's your star. He's my steady Eddie. And then you've got, I've got, I've um, gone for McMahon in third because he's your bolter and you always have one surprise on the, the podium. So I think you're foolish not to put Keenley. Yeah, probably. I think you've got to go for Dino and Keenley okay. in that order. Okay. 
And then it's and then it is just who's who's going to have a great day, really. Hmm. I don't think uh, can Potts, Potts got fourth last year. Can Potts you, pull it off? you almost always have a surprise, uh, not a massive surprise, but someone on that podium who's not the third best athlete or second best athlete. Yeah, you wouldn't pick Hoffman last year. No. Do you think he would put him this year? No. No. He had a great day, didn't he? He did. I can't think of my third, John. Um, uh, third. Name some other people, John. Cam Brown, Dorenzo Bozzoni, no, Bevan no. Doherty. Yep, no. Okay, Bevan's coming back. Yeah. Bevan's I picked last back. year. I picked them for second last year. They've given someone the, the what, are, what do they call it? The, the free pass. The, uh, oh, who did they give it to? Bevan Doherty. Oh, he's coming. Okay, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and Raylert You know what? I'm going to pick Raylert Because I pick him If you get a winner <laughs> <laughs> Is Michael Raylert racing? No uh. Yeah I'm going to go I'm going to go Here's mine I'm going Keenlay No oh, sorry Tim Fredino. Don Tim Don Apparently he misses the race. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Doesn't show up. Doesn't show up. <laughs> he forgets the time. He's up at eight. <laughs> We've got Fredino, Keenlay, and then I'm going to go, I'm going to go Vinier for third. And it's only purely because he's a past winner. I've, you yeah. know, yeah, that's yep. my three. Okay. So they're probably... I, I the- do like the bolter. I do like the bolter. I'm just not sure who the bolter will be. Mm. Yeah. You're out of touch. Yeah, I am a little bit out of touch. I, can't, I haven't really put much thought into it, to be honest. Okay, and the woman's side of things? Woman's side of things, I have gone for... Repeat uh, last year? Repeat of last year, and now I've gone for Reef, Joyce, and Carfrey. So different, same as last oh, year, but different, different order. Yes. And Reef, again, same deal. Reef doesn't seem to have a chink in her armour, does she? No, not really. But, you know, anything can happen. Yeah, I know. You only need to be a few percent off. You have a shit... Her weapon is the bike... And if she has a sh- just a shitty day on the bike and feels like crap, maybe gets a puncher or something, or just feels she like crap. She still run, can't she? Oh, she still run, but she doesn't won't, won't run oh, away like, like yeah. the other girls could. Even if she does have a crappy bike, she's yeah, as you said, she's still as good as all the other runners except for Carfrey. Carfrey's so, run is such a weapon. Last year, Carfrey's the second best run time was Jenna Crawford. She did it over three hundred one. Yeah, Carfrey did ten 50. minutes, eleven minutes in. Eleven minutes. Mm. Man. Yeah, so she ran seventeen into Reef. Yeah, and it's not like it's been a one-off. That's a thing. Like no. you can say, oh, two fifty-one. Can she do that again? Well, she has. She did done two fifty twenty-six. The year before, two fifty thirty-eight, and the year before that was she had a bad year. Where she did three hundred five. Yes. And the year before that, she did a two fifty-two. So she knows she can get off the bike and run around the low two fifties. Mm. So a big thing for Carfrey is the swim. You know, last year she. Last year she swam an hour versus the you know the the big kahunas like Joycey and stuff swimming f- uh, fifty six high, so she's sort of three minutes off the pace there. Uh, other years she's been yeah it's it's consistently around that sort of three to four minute mark, and then it comes down to how much she loses on the bike. And so she lost a lot of time last year to Reef and Joycey on the bike. She lost you know nearly over ten minutes to to Reef, but to the other main contender girls you know Swallow, Stefan, people like that, she only lost three minutes, and she did come back really strong in the second half the ride so you certainly wouldn't ride her off but I kind of get the feeling she's going to have to run a 250 again to, mm. to win it and whether she can just keep consistently doing that I don't know well I think the thing is that what last year gives her is the belief in never giving up because mm. I remember I'm pretty sure in a press interview she was talking about how 
even she thought she was just racing for you know fifth or sixth you know and then as the race went on it got down to 30 seconds and then she realized far out i can win this thing you know and and there was such like that's to me one of the greatest moments in triathlon ever you know that run yes yeah. special and um you know but the thing is if she she has that confidence to be able to pull that off and it's not a one-off fluke as we've said you know she's done this consistently so mm. she knows she can pretty much unless you know she hasn't had a very good run season or something like that she knows she can pretty much get off and run a 250 so the question is what happens in the swim and the bike this year yeah if she can lose two minutes on the swim which is a lot yeah um and it really depends on packs and things like that but she can you know she can get down to 58 that's massive and if she can be just a couple minutes close and maybe that gets her in a better pack you know who knows but you you do have to put your money on Reef because she's just been stellar this year, yeah. hasn't she? And Joycey last year, you wouldn't say she lost that race, but that was by far her best opportunity to win it. She only ran a 3.06, yeah. and the conditions last year were not terrible run conditions. No, she was gutted too. Uh, so if she'd run, you know, she's run sort of 3.03, 3.01, then she would have won the race. So that yeah. was her race to lose. Um, and it's we'll have a look. So last year's top five on both on the guys' side, you had Keenlay, Hoffman, Fredino, Potts, and Cyril Vinot from France. Never picked him. Oh. As, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, statistically speaking, only one person in the last or something like seventeen years has won the race when they haven't been in the top four or five the year before. Yeah, that so, was great. That was a great set, wasn't so, it? So, yeah. So, so really, if we're going to go, the winner has to come out of those top five. Yeah. <clears throat> so, and, and I think most people have picked that. And, and then, we're going to say Stefan seems to have lost that aura that she had a few years ago. Well, she did have a sensational 70.3 the other day. So you had, last year you had Stefan in fifth, Judy, Judy Swallow fourth, Joycey, Reeve and Carthy. Do the scale? I don't think she's, got, she, I don't think she's a, a winner. She's a potential podium athlete, but I don't think she has the run leg to, to win Where it. Crawford this year? Oh, she'll be steady Eddie Just somewhere fifth, fifth through tenth. Yep. Uh, so that was last year. And I, I had a number of names written down here. That I'm really interested in, and there's a lot more guys that I think are potential bolters yep, in terms of being on the part. Versus the girls, I was looking through. It, I was going, oh, there's a lot more yeah, you've got real like ten guys' names yeah. and two girls' names. Yeah, and that's not me being a sexist pig. We've got a lot more so ITU guys coming through on the guys' side, and you don't really see the same thing happening on the girls' side for whatever reason. So guys that I'm really yeah, interested in, is. yeah. Maybe you know fin- uh, the girls seem to go maybe a bit longer on the ITU circuit and can keep. Still, you know, because when if we look at traditionally, the female athlete seems to be able to last at a higher standard for a longer age bracket. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you look at like a Fredino, it gives them much. You know, this idea of doing ITU then coming into long course gives you a much longer career where you can be really successful. It's interesting to see that some of those but females the, aren't doing that. A lot of them at that age are going off having kids and yeah, stuff as true. well. Yeah, once you once you're into your, your sort of mid thirties, yep. so uh, guys. I'm really interested in seeing is Lionel Sanders. Uh, the guy can run, but he's going to get dominated in the swim. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you'd see him coming through for a top 10. Bacona is the one race of the year. You can't swim, it really hurts you, eh? Oh, yeah. You know, other races, you, you, can, know, you can, can still get in the top 10. You can't swim. You're not. You're not uh, it's really hard to win it. Got, I think gone are the days of Stadler and stuff yeah. who, who, who were able to get At away least with you get a real freak weather day. Yeah. You know. Uh, Brent McMahon, very interested to see. I've picked him for my podium. Dude has had some awesome 70.3 results, so could be, you know, there or thereabouts. And these guys that are coming up, so uh, McMahon, Tim Don, Brad Carterfelt, all ITU guys, so they're going to be there after the swim. It really comes down, and they can all run, you know, nobody's business, but it really comes down to how they can handle the the bike ride. And the thing is as well, how do they, like, if we look at Bevan, 
you know, he proved he could run do a great Ironman, mm. but just the game played him in Hawaii, didn't it? And the heat. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and so these guys here, there's almost this thing that, that I remember, who was the pro who was saying, was it last year, they were saying to one of the other ITU guys, you just don't realise how fast they ride. Mm. And I think that some of these ITU guys come in with not respecting the race enough. You know what I mean? Like they they come in thinking, well, look at these speeds and so on, and they get there and they realise it's kind of a different game. Mm. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And then uh, then you got a couple of other guys who are probably maybe the next rung down, but have had some great individual performances, but not necessarily at massive big championship races. Guys like Dylan McNeese, uh, Joe Skipper, who we had on the show last week, and Callum Millwood, Cupcakes from Cal. It'll be interesting to see how those dudes go mm. um, with the you know with all the big kahunas there. And then other guys that I'm really interested. To see how they go. Luke McKenzie, you know, he was what second or third a couple of years ago. Second, yeah. uh, did win Ironman Cairns this year. Great athlete, but is that sort of second to one off, or is he more of the the usual sort of fifth through tenth? He's a guy? hit and miss guy, but isn't he? Mm. He's hitting a home run, or he's he's getting walked off the mm. off the pitch. Marino, who you interviewed last year, said he'd never be back. Well, see, to be honest, he would be my dark horse. But is he going to take the approach where you go in and you say? I don't want to finish my Kona career on a stretcher. I want to go out there and have a steady day and just enjoy it and and not go for the win. He's always had one tactic. Mm. Just beat himself up and see if he survives. Mm. And unfortunately, he's never really survived. He's had a couple of good finishes. but He he had a second or third there once, didn't he? Um, But yeah, he's been in the lead. So I was going to say, my third dark horse for third place would be him. Because we know he's got the pedigree. We know he can pull off that kind of race. Does but, he want to? <laughs> yeah, does he? As you say, does he kind of go and just going? I don't want to be scarred from this race. Yeah, another one that's going back, Cam Brown. Really unsure why he's going back. You know, he could be one of those guys going around doing the other races. Does he? He hasn't got the the, the ability now to win the race. No, but. He could be a top five if he has a sensational run and has a steady bike. It's about uh, swim, but isn't it? For yeah, because he always gets dropped if he can hold onto that pack. Yeah, Terenzo Bozzoni has never really. Got 11th once. Yeah, got 11th and hasn't done anything else in Kona. Fantastic 70.3 race. Ivan Rana had the fastest run split last year, had a terrible bike ride for well, whatever reason. He was last year going into the race, wasn't mm-hmm. he? He was like a bit of a dark horse. So that some of these guys are getting a bit long in the tooth if they don't start doing it now. Um, Who's Tio? Tim O'Donnell, oh, Great American Hope. Tio. Yeah. That's <laughs> uh, his rep name, yeah. Tio. So the Great American Hope. Well, well he, Potts is, really. Yes. Potts is the, you know, oh, Andy Hoffman. I mean, Ben Hoffman. Yeah. Uh, and Andy Rayler, can he? Can he, gotta say, it's almost his last chance. But he does. No, he hasn't shown anything. A great race. Yeah, I know. I know. He, he's he's going to be. He's definitely going down as one of the greats who never won it. Because mm-hmm. there was a moment in time where Rayler was just amazing, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, he just didn't quite crack that kind of win. Uh, but he's. I'd love him to have a great race. So I, far, I fastest man, fastest man in history over iron distance at Rayler. Seventy three, seven forty three or something. Forty one. I think seven forty one. I think it was. Yeah. Man, yeah, that's unbelievable. And from memory, he did it solo as well. He didn't yeah. have any pack in front of him. So that was just a, the a, 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 yeah, and the rapster. So he's you know writes for Slow Twitch, has a lot of followers. Uh, he's not going to be in the top five, but he could be one of those guys fifth through tenth. Yep. So a lot of guys there that I'm really interested to see how they go. A lot of question marks, and you. But then when I look at the girls' field, you go, most of those girls are pretty consistent. They're going to be there or thereabouts. The number of DNFs on the girls' side is far less than the guys. You see a lot less of them blowing up. They don't all have the greatest race, but you see a lot less of them blowing up, a lot more consistent. Um, but probably the two names that I picked out of the list that I'm interested to see how they go is Annabelle Luxford, very good 70.3 athlete. Uh, and if she can hang on the bike, 
match. I don't think she'd win it, but she could be someone who could sneak into the top five or possibly the top three. And Eva Wooty, who a lot of American listeners and stuff won't know much about, but she has crushed some iron distance races in Europe, often been challenge races, but really fast, but haven't seen her doing it consistently at Now, when you say races. you're interested in her youth, what, top five or... Yeah, to win I don't think any. I, I, I think the girls is pretty much a done deal in terms yeah. of you know, say Joyce or Reef or or Carfrey, but those girls could could do some damage at some stage in the race. And then I'm really interested to see how Carolyn Stephen goes as well because she had a great seventy point three recently in Sunshine Coast. She's had some really good performances. She's got Can the pedigree, she, hasn't she? You yeah, know, she if has. things went her way, she she could win the thing. Mm. But I think it would be down to somebody else not having a blinder. You know, if yeah. Carfrey had a blinder or if um, Reef. Reef had a blinder, I don't think um, the likes of Caroline Stephen would be close. But if those if people aren't firing on their day, then she could be thereabouts. Joycey got to be getting towards towards the end of her career. You know, she's thirty seven ish, something like that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure she's thirty seven. So she's had her opportunities. Is she gonna Is she gonna do it? Had a quiet season, been a bit injured, so be nicely tapered. And you've got to say the same thing about um, Carfrey. You know, the year before, she, her and Joycey did, both did rote and went extremely fast over there. This year, they've both been a lot quieter on the racing front, and you haven't seen too much from them. Mary Beth She's Alice, 37. Mary Beth Alice, kind of put her in the same boat as... Caroline Stephan, a few of those other girls. Been, she's been one of the girls who has transferred across from ITU, been around for quite a long time. Um and had some great races. She did have a couple of explosions this year. She exploded in Switzerland. She raced a lot this year. Mm. Remember, like, there was a period where like, every bloody weekend we're seeing Mary Beth. Yeah, so, and then Meredith Kessler again, you know, she has just, last year, it was either last year or the year before, she was just dominating some races, mm. big time, yeah. really crushing some big names. And she's been right up there in the lead, if not, you know, in the like, first couple off the bike. And she's got the ability to put in a really good run. Isn't it so, cave racing? She is, and so, she's, so, she's had so a bit you, of a comeback. Yeah, you've got to put her in there somewhere, don't you? Like, mm. you know, like she's won the bloody thing. Mm. She's thirty-seven. Yeah, she's turned pro in two thousand. But she's had an improving season this year. She's had a lot of injury battles and stuff like that. So yeah, she's on her way back. Probably wouldn't pick her to win it, but I probably wouldn't have picked her to win it the year. No, no the year she won it, she had won the seventy point three as well. She had a really stellar year. I remember mm. there was a period where she was just like unbreakable, mm. and then she got injured and got breakable. Mm. <laughs> kind of went downhill. <laughs> Um, okay, well, people you, like that. You got how badly do they want it? You know, she's achieved an ITU victory, uh, world championship, seventy point three. Do you think there's some Iron point you want to say like there's the people who you will get it a lot? You got you know you got your your Wellingtons, you got your Crowies, you've got your uh, Caffreys and stuff like that. And then you get like a like we would always catch up with um, who's German guy who always catch up with a really good guy who won it once. Um, you know, Al Salton. Nicest guy to me. He's just yeah. a seriously cool guy and uh, really open and really friendly. And we, we, we always catch up with him. One thing you always got from him was, I've ticked the box. And in some ways, he still had great races there, but you kind of thought maybe that would hurt him, you know, because in mm. some ways, I think it allowed him to justify, you know, because all these other guys around him who are great athletes never got that to win that ring. Mm. And in some ways, that maybe when it gets really tough, that might be an out. Mm. And so you kind of do wonder if, like, you know, these people like Cave, as you say, once I've got it, does, do I need the fight to get it again? Is it still there? And some especially, athletes have that and some don't. Especially when you've been around a long time. She's been she's been around probably longer than I have. In well, she's turned pro in 2000. Yeah. So, so and plus the years before that, yeah. and she was probably, uh, you know, a very good junior. So... 
probably coming up 20 years as a full-time athlete. Yeah. That's a long time to keep stay motivated for Far at out, that yeah. ultimate level. Yeah. You can stay motivated and love the lifestyle, love traveling, love training and all that, but to love to, to really have that extra couple of percent to win, it's tough. Well, there you go. She's just... Uh there you go. Okay, Jumbo. So, um, bu- 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 I thought bu- I'd go through the course. I think I did this. I mean, I did do this last year, but now I've got a little bit of added perspective from having done the race last year as well. So, for you guys that are all going to be sitting around your your computer on Saturday or Sunday, depending on where you are in the world, so I'll just quickly go through the course, go through some of the key landmarks and some things that the athletes will be going through as they go through the the race. So, the swim. Um, as you'll see in the race day, deep water start. The thing they have changed the last couple of years is uh, separate wave starts for the males and females. Uh, doesn't really make much of a difference for the males. Um, obviously, the pros go off first, and you really don't. If, if, uh, some of the top age group guys will catch some of the tail end female pros, but they won't be catching a great deal of them. Like I caught a couple on the run, but you know they were miles off the pace. Yep. Uh, so nothing overly exciting about the swim apparently the conditions have been reasonably rough over there of late and I will say about the bike last week apparently the winds were out of this world on the bike ride that doesn't mean anything about the race this week you know weather can change pretty quickly but apparently it has been pretty choppy in the swim and have been some severe winds on the bike swim is a counterclockwise no it's clockwise it's not counterclockwise it's clockwise swim uh, often bit of swell there basically head out somewhat hard course to navigate because you haven't really got too many landmarks the, the turnarounds are a couple of big boats and I will say having experienced it again last year it seems like forever to get to halfway on the way back it seemed to go quite a bit quicker but man it just seemed to go on and on and on until you get to the turnaround boats um, from my experiences last year I was I was ready for to get the shit beaten out of me in the swim uh, and I did have a really good start but I, I don't think I had a, a hand laid on me all, all the way through the swim so you're I was disappointed, stoked because eh? you're ready for a fight <laughs> yeah so that was good but I know that for a lot of people it is a very stressful swim because you, this, the standard of athletes is uh, a lot more condensed so uh, other people I know did get the crap beaten out of them all the way through the swim so come out of the swim uh, what we will say about the, co- the courses here on my measurements last year I got the bike course at exactly 180 kilometres oh, great. and I got the run at 42.2 kilometres oh, and that's despite me swerving over the road a little bit on the run and, and uh, having a few you know, porta potty stops and stopping at a bar for 15 minutes on the way through uh, before I finished and yes yeah, so a very accurate courses. When you start the bike, you've got about one to two kilometres of flat, and then you hang a right-hand turn, and you got the steep, nasty little climb to get up to the Queen K, and then you go up Mark and Dave uh, Hill, which is hardly, it's a very gentle gradient. It's probably maybe 3%, something like that. But man, people are just smoking it up there like you wouldn't believe it's very difficult not to get excited and carried away you have this climb for I don't know maybe a K or so and then you descend down Palani Hill where there's quite a lot of spectators and you come around Hot Corner when you come down that hill in Palani it's a no passing zone and I was within millimetres of getting my full drink bottles my nutrition for the course and throwing it at people on that downhill because they were going so slowly And, and I'm not at the front of the field, but I'm in the front quarter out of the swim. I could not believe how pathetic some people were at going down that hill. So high levels of frustration, and then you hang this left-hand turn and you go up Kuakini Highway, and you'll see the pros there starting to, to jostle for position. 
quite narrow and there's quite a lot of potholes and stuff all the way through the course and so it's a really easy place to lose drink bottles you're going through sets of lights and it's a main sort of thoroughfare for the for the traffic and it's really not a lot of fun and again you've just got people just absolutely fanging it through there uh, and it's you're sort of jostling for position it's very hard not to be drafting uh, and I found it to be you know quite a stressful part of the race last year so you go up um, up the Kuakini turn around after about maybe four or five kilometers come back down you've got a gentle downhill so um, pretty high pace again jostling for position and then you make your right hand turn onto Palani Hill which is about a 400 maybe four to five hundred meter climb it may be eight percent something like that and that's where you hit the hit the crowds and stuff going up there again people are just smoking it past you going up that climb you're riding it you know well above your threshold and you've still got all these Europeans just drilling it past you and then you're up onto the Queen K up top and then it becomes lonely time and then it's 50 kilometres of gentle rollers beautiful smooth road uh, and a lot of people find it hillier than what they expected but they're just gentle rollers nothing too too severe and then the winds often start when you get about 30 k's down there when you get to an area around sort of Waikoloa and then you hang a left at the end of the Queen K really nice uh, fast downhill into Kauai High uh, and then you start a staircase climb up to Harvey which is usually where the, the winds really start to kick in and then and then <laughs> and and I don't consider it to be a massive authority on the Kona course but I think I've probably ridden it <coughs> ten, 10 times now so oh, probably more than most people more than most people yep. uh, and you can get all sorts of conditions out there from the times that I've done it when it has been windy it's more often than not a head, you get more headwind on the way out than you do on the on the way back. But as the year you did it, you had you were lucky. You got headwinds both ways. Oh, I, was, I felt like I was just special. Yeah. So it did my head in, to be honest, because what happened was <clears throat> we turned around. And you got that first downhill, so you're flying, and we had the wind behind us. Yeah. And you were flying, you know, like you were just mm. smoking it, and you're thinking, you because you knew you'd done a suck first half. Yeah. Like I think it took me three hours to do the first half. Yeah. And uh, but I thought it doesn't matter because I'm going to make it up on the way back. And there's literally as soon as you got to the bottom of that Kalei Hilly section, yeah. which is probably 10k. Yeah. Boom! <laughs> Turn around. It's like, oh no. So yeah, so you have that staircase climb up to Kona. On the on the GPS, um, when you look at it, it you're thinking, holy crap, that's a lot, it's hard work, but it's really not that hard of climbing. It does get progressively a little bit steeper towards the end. And You've got you, great roads. Yeah, great, nice smooth roads. Yeah. But what you do usually at the towards the top of the climb, as you're getting closer to Harvey, you, you typically do have a, a pretty strong headwind and it can start to beat you down a bit. Then one thing that really surprised me last year after making the turn at Harvey, we did have a tailwind down from Harvey was so again people just crawling down this climb uh, it's just I was just in my biggest gear that I was and I was watching my watts I wasn't going crazy hard I was just flying past people who again were of similar ability to me so they're not back of the packers and you're not riding through people that have you know started half an hour in front of you I just could not believe how crap some people are so there's a lot of time to be gained if you can ride well speed. downhill yeah so I was keeping even wattage, wasn't spiking it, just riding downhill in a nice big gear and just mowing past people. It was uh, it was fantastic. Enjoyed that part of the race. Uh, then when you get down to the bottom from that staircase climb up to Harvey, again you come to this little um, port town of Harvey, which is when I say a town, I don't know, it's maybe 20 houses there that I've ever seen. Uh, and then you have a very difficult, steep, hot climb out of, uh, of Kauai High before you turn on to to the Queen K again and it is uh, usually a tailwind going up there 
desolate place. It's kind of a bit of a funnel. You don't have much breeze at all on either side, and you're just really, really hot and reasonably steep. And then you turn onto the Queen K, and again you've got that sort of roller coaster ride back into town. But when you do turn onto the Queen K, it's about 130, 140 kilometres into the ride, so you sort of three quarters of the way there. But that's usually the mark in any Ironman race where you're going to start to struggle a bit. Mm. And so you get on the Queen K, and it's like right, I've done the I've done the bulk of the course, but I've still got you know an hour and a half ish on this bike ride. And in any I mean, it's the moment where you get tired, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You know, you kind of, you just get over it, eh? So that's the moment where, you know, you pop the caffeine tablet and you try to get a bit of a boost on. And that's, for me, is when the race slowly started to spread out a bit. And that's when I was a bit more, wasn't by myself. I had these guys just still sitting behind me and then I'd get into a good groove and I'm thinking, right, this is it, this is it. Get into a nice rhythm. And then these donkeys would just ride around me and then slow down. I was, again, the bottle bottle nearly came out a few times. The donkeys. <laughs> and then, uh, and then another key landmark on the bike ride is when you're coming back, coming up to a place you'll hear about a scenic lookout. And the reason why that's quite an important landmark is you've had this sort of long sort of flattish period around the Waikoloa area and then you have a climb up to Scenic Lookout which again can it's at that moment where it can really sap you and you have seen guys like Chris McCormick that's been a moment in the past where he's attacked on the bike and you get away and it's close enough to the finish that you know that's when people are starting to, to give up a little bit and you can you can gain a lot of time on that climb up to Scenic Lookout not steep at all and you can big chain ring it but it's uh, it's just that moment of the course which starts to get pretty tricky and then you got the final stretch into town, which is downhill. But I would say when you get to the top of Scenic Lookout, last year we had headwinds and it was really difficult for this the uh, stretch through to the airport. And then, but the last stretch into town is uh, net downhill. So that's your summary of the bike course and the run. We had Joe Skipper talking about it last week. You know, when he went over there, he hasn't been there before, and. It's a lot hillier than what you think it's going to be, but mm. it's not hard. There's, a, there's only one hard climb, and in terms of your average pace, I kind of feel that the hills balance everything out. You know, they're not so steep that you lose big time, and you've got the downhills on the other sides. So I don't really think it affects your average pace, and it's quite nice having it, it broken up. Mixes it up, eh? Mm. Yeah. So you do a tiny little loop around town, and you get it back onto Ali'i Drive, and then it's just a rolling sort of... I don't know about five miles out to the first turn, and then you turn, come back over those sort of just gentle rollers, and you get a, you get crowds and patches. You know, there's a lot of people around town, and then then you kind of just have scatterings of people as you go through the course and around different sort of uh, condo blocks. But it's still, you know, it's certainly not heavily populated with people out there. Yeah, but sometimes you're never really alone. There's always an energy, isn't there? And yeah, and yeah. there's always plenty of athletes on the course as well so uh, you're not really alone until you get up onto the Queen K so you've done your stretch out on Lee Drive about 10 miles and then you come to Palani Hill which is again that 400-500 metre torture I'll call it after last year so my strategy last year was to just slowly jog up that hill or potentially walk up that climb and it was right about that moment last year where I pretty much crumbled I tell you what walking up that hill was agony. Really, it was just horrible. And you've in what way? Just as in, I was just completely cooked. And just walking up there was a real effort. Just yeah. putting one foot in front of the other. And then I did start vomiting at the top. But, <laughs> but, but we've we've stood on that hill before and seen 
a huge percentage of the pros yeah. walking up the hill and you're going, oh, come on, you guys are pros, but man, it was it was really hard work to get up that hill. And, and what sucks is you're walking up there nice dispute at the top. and you've got the, the crowd all around you trying to urge you yeah. on and you're just like, no. And they, and they go, come on, you can do it. You go, no. no I know, no. I really can't. <laughs> you're wrong. Oh, it's it's really difficult part of the race. And then you get up to the top and almost instantaneously, where you've got maybe about a 100-metre stretch where you have uh, there's sort of a strip down the middle of the, the highway where you've got a number of people with tents and stuff camped out there giving you good support. But then within 100 metres or so, then it's just desolate. There's nothing out there. There's just aid station to aid station and athletes, and there's, there's very, very little That's, the lonely, that's the lonely part of the race really, isn't it? Oh. And, and then, you just, then you're, just, you're just cranking out the miles. Get to the energy lab. Um, get to the energy lab. Uh, you, you turn to the energy lab, run as a gentle downhill to the energy lab, and then you've got your final sort of turning turning mark. Run out of the energy lab. Typically tailwind. Typically gets very very hot for the pros. Often a, a spot where you know you get quite a bit of change in positions and a lot of explosions. Again, a bit like the bike. You know when you get onto the Queen K, you're 130, 140k in. It's that moment where it's, shit, this is really starting to get a bit hard. Same thing with the the, the energy lab is. A, it's a bit hotter down there and you have a tailwind running out, but it's also that, that time where you're sort of around that 30-kilometre mark of the mm. run where it's just like far out, Brussels sprout. This yep. is getting pretty tricky. Starting to pay the price. You get to the top of the energy lab and you get a little boost. There's often uh, quite a bit of media and, and spectators Crap. at the top of the energy lab because you you're not allowed to go in there as spectators. And when you get to the, come running out of there, it's about 10, 11 kilometres to go and uh, and that's when you've got to sort of try to put the afterburners on and do what now, you can it, to get home. It's kind of a slight false a false downhill isn't it on the way home so you're kind of yeah it's never easy but it's it's kind of it's an easier part of the course from that point forward really because you're kind of so lightly downhill and then you mm. got obviously once you get that big drop so it's kind of you got physically mark. it's an easier part of the course it is yep and the, you have the, you have the Mark and Dave climb at the end which is yeah, maybe maybe a K long or so, just a, and again a fairly gentle gradient, and then you got that tough downhill down Palani, and then you got about a mile sort of run through to the finish and uh, run down Lee Drive. Yep, game on. And, and we're going to see our five way sprint finish this year. That's right. John Newsom is actually doing a. He's heading over tomorrow. Yes, he's doing it. So. Specials on Air New Zealand. I'm I'm, I'm doing it. He's doing it. Okay. Yep. Um, so that's pretty much the course. So you'll be guys now watching it. What we might do is you're going to watch it. Yeah, hell yeah. I'll be coming and going or all day? Uh, most of the day. Yeah. So maybe what we'll do is we'll be on our Facebook page. Yes. So we'll just be commenting it throughout the day. Um, it's on Sunday our day, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So I'll be kind of coming and going because I'm teaching. But when I'm when I am home, I'll be definitely having it on. So if you want to just kind of see what you know what the community is up to while the race is on, just jump on our Facebook page and we'll just be all talking on there. And I'm sure lots of people will be watching it live online as well. So that's the race course, John. Let's do a quick sponsor. Okay, Athlinks.com. So you're going to do my race? I thought we'd rewind. I, I thought, oh, let's go 10 years back. And then I was actually looking at the 2004 results. So I thought, well, let's go 11 years back. Because that was the year that Bevan did the race. And he's talked about that bike, those bike conditions. And what got me thinking was when I looked at Athlinks.com. Uh, that is pretty crazy when you look at the bike times. Norman Stadler rode 4.37 on the bike. Which is, which, which is a, a good time. A good time but in any conditions. Well, is it nowadays? The guys last year, I mean, it was a bit windy last year, uh, and some of the top guys were riding you know, a little bit quicker than that, but sort of low, lower 430s. Yeah. Peter Reid got second. He rode 501. Sensational. 501. Yeah. 
That is my and, and and to be honest, Stadler was miles ahead. He was mm. miles ahead. He won it by ten minutes, but on, off the bike, he was miles ahead of everybody yeah. else. We got a couple other people who got so just he, he under. lost uh, eleven minutes. So he ran a two fifty seven, which is still pretty respectable for Kona. Yeah, for for a biker versus Peter Reed's two forty six. But he got off that bike going. I just need to yeah cruise this to win it. He got yeah. around a three ten. Um, but this shows the caliber of the race that year. You know, you really not many people actually did under five hours. Or you know, there's a few, but really five hours was kind of the, the standard was, ride, wasn't it? Yeah, five hours for pros at Kona. Yeah, so that was. I don't. I can't remember what I wrote. I think I, I wasn't much. I was five. Okay, so if you did, if you did, if you did a sub nine, you were got the, the top seven guys only did sub nine. It's awesome. Top seven guys only did sub nine. Mm. So if you did Tino Brack. He did an 9.03, he got eighth. Yeah. Top 10, he had 9.05. Yeah. That's mind-blowing. Now, the next year you went back and did a 9.32. If you had gone back and did a 9.32, wasn't Something it? Something like that. Yeah. If you had gone back and did a 9.32, John, you would have got 30th overall. I'd be happy with that. Yeah, far out, yeah. So our first Athlinks finishes, if we blast all the way back there, was Kirk Framka. He went 9.48 and he finished in... 44th overall. 44th overall. Man, that's, that's, that was it was a tough year. I I argue it's probably the toughest year with the wins because I did it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I did. What did I do? Am I in there, Jumbo? Let's have a look. I'm going to go top. How <laughs> far are we going to have to scroll far down? I might have been 300, 400. Uh, our second athlete finisher was Garrett Arima. I did about, I think and I did just was, over 11, just under 11. That's what I love doing is you go back and you see these dudes and uh, you kind of see try to see what they're up to these days. Okay, so. Bevan James Isles. Yes. He swam one team. <laughs> that was his eye to show. <laughs> <laughs> Remember there's that photo of me who looks like I've been rocky? Right. Because <laughs> my goggles were all over the place. Swam one ten. I just, I literally swam 5.7 Ks because yeah. I just zigzagged the whole bloody thing. Didn't know what I was doing. I had a horrible swim. Had a six-hour bike ride. Nice. Six hours. And at that time, I was still pretty early in my Ironman career, but I probably should have expected, you know, I think an Ironman New Zealand had five, five and a half, five twenty, yeah, something like that. So you know, I was half an hour slower, but ran a three thirty. I was actually pretty happy my run in Kona. Yeah, I just kind of worked through it. Didn't walk in at all. Just kind of got through the run. Ran, you know, I was pretty happy. That was actually a pretty good run time for me at that stage, um, for a ten forty four. Yeah, man, and I got three Natasha Babman won the girls race in 8.50 Lisa Bentley who we've had on our Legends show she was the first athletes finisher in fourth place loving that we've got pros on on, uh, on athletes who, uh, Lisa Bentley's on there yeah oh, and then cool. first uh, next top female athlete on athletes was in 39th place Ginger Arena Ginger Arena Ginger that's a gold name that is a gold name <laughs> Have I gone back the next year, John, and done the same time? So, wow, she's still racing. She's got 93 races on Athlinks. So this is what you can do. You can go and check people out. She did Challenge Quasi uh, this year, went 227. And last year, she did the Pumpkin Man Triathlon Festival. She has a difference, John. Look, so if we look here, the next year, the person who did 1044 got 678th. Nice. And I got 340th or something. Yeah. So. You're a legend. No, not that I'm a legend. It just you know, like it just the difference that year made of the wind. Mm. It was it was it was a ridiculous year. It was. Hope I'd love to see it again this year. Mm. I'd love That'd it. Be great. It'd be fantastic. Yeah, if we see that wind, who wins it? Then you probably go to Keenlay. Yeah. 
and then you'd still go with uh, Reef because you know, then it comes down to stronger bikers, usually. Ultraman World Championships in 2004. Yes. Jonas Colding took it out. Ah, yeah, 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 very good. So what's cool about this, it's just such a quick resource, guys, where you can go and check out results, check out how people do from year to year on athlinks.com. Okay, so it is cool because you can kind of geek out like we just did on my old race. So there we go, athlinks.com, guys. If you aren't on it, get on it, sharpen up. That's my message for you. Okay, John, Kona questions. So I put a, I put a post on Athlinks, not Athlinks, on Facebook to see if anybody had any questions for us about our knowledge of Kona. Bo Eklund Last year you talked about polling the pros on their income. Did you ever publish that info? Bevan, that was your task. No, I didn't really poll them as such. I didn't because remember we were going to do like a, you know, like a spreadsheet. Put, yeah, yeah, it was you. That was your responsibility. You know, if we go back, maybe now because I've got an iPad, we could do a survey monkey. You yeah. literally just give it to them, and so they, we don't see the answers. Yeah, and uh, so maybe we'll do that next time. But but I was surprised. It was actually more than I thought. Yeah, you know, because we, we did ask all the pros, or well, I did mm. ask all the pros, mm. um, and most of them are actually making a pretty good living. And now, yeah. admittedly, we were speaking to more of the high end pros. Yes, but it seemed that you know most of the good pros are making anywhere from one hundred to three hundred k. And what I think what I got out of it was usually if you look at the prize money they're getting, you'd often double it, and that would probably be what they're earning roughly. Yeah. Um, but again, we were talking to some of the top guys. We weren't talking to necessarily the second-tier guys. So, yeah. you know, when you just see what they're earning in prize money, that's bugger all. But, you know, you may have one sponsor that matches your prize money or gives you bonuses at those races. Um, for the good guys, then they're going to have a number of the sponsors doing that. So it's very top-heavy, but in general, most that, most of the – the, the, the medium to top guys are going to have a, a prize a bonuses associated to sponsors. Okay, uh, God or Michael Kennedy's got. When do they arrive? Is there any science behind this? How have they prepared for the conditions? Is the on course nutrition always the same? Are the eight sessions always the same location every year? And what is the race lead up nutrition plan? So what? maybe Michael was getting there if we were going to be talking to pros. He had lots of different questions. But in terms of the the first one, I think it's interesting when people arrive. So last year we were there. The we got there the Tuesday before, a week before. So I don't know, 12, 12 days or something before the race, and it was pretty pretty quiet. You certainly saw a number of pros there, um, but in terms of the age groupers, they really don't arrive until most of them don't arrive until the weekend before. So yeah. Saturday, Sunday is when you get the big influx. So they so they're there for for the week. Um, some people do leave it even a little bit later. Some of the Americans come in, you know, as late as Wednesday um, of race week. Uh, but in terms of what we're seeing from a lot of pros, is they're turning up, seem to be turning up earlier and earlier uh, each year. And some guys are out there for like a month before. So we interviewed Joe Skipper two weeks ago, and so he was yeah. there sort of th- good three weeks before. And part of the reason for that is a lot of places over there you can book for a month, and it kind of ends up being the same to book a place for a month as it does to book a place for seven to ten days because a lot of places well, no, almost yeah, all places crank up their rates and they have 10 to 14 day minimums whereas you have these other places uh, that you basically rent month to month and they don't crank up their rates they just leave it month to month as you go through the year and it works out being the same or any marginally more to be there for a month and you can do some good quality training in the heat and you get fully acclimatised in terms of some of your other stuff from my experience the course does stay consistent in terms of the location of aid stations. Um, what they provide at the aid stations is consistent. It's just sometimes diff- slightly different sponsor from year to year, um, but they do try to keep things pretty much the same from my experiences. Mm. Thomas um, O'Quirk 
for the part for the pasty skinny Europeans like me, what is the best way of dealing with the heat? Easiest one is arriving early and training in the heat. Uh, so a tactic that I use with a lot of athletes that I have is you do a little mini taper before going and then when you get over there, you actually spend a reasonable amount of time doing easy endurance week to, to get acclimatised to the heat. And often I've found that works incredibly well. It's not as good as being out there for, for a month. You know, that's sort of your ultimate is being there for a good two to three weeks beforehand, getting fully acclimatised and it's still hot, but you're, you're well used to it. Uh, the other thing, that works really well to, to stay acclimatised or no, to, to handle the heat is to pour water on your head throughout the bike ride and try to keep your core temperature down. Uh, one thing that worked really well for me last year and other athletes is wearing a, a, a full sleeve top. Yep. Uh, a, if you wear a skin suit, it is faster and B, you're not getting that burnt skin which can really have, A, it sucks after the race but B, that burning of your skin can really impact you and, and cause you to overheat as you're going through the race and there are a number of other adaptation things you can try to do that kind of make a little maybe half percent here or there you know things like doing uh, hot indoor trainer sessions um, doing saunas after training and stuff but by and large I think they only make a small change it's really uh, trying to arrive while, yeah. trying to arrive early yeah. is the key thing which uh, kind of sucks Steve Keller's got uh, what are some good landmarks dis- landmarks distances for the bike course for example where to climb in Hawaii starts how long Harvey uh, Harvey sorry um, uh, what am I saying how long does it take for most of the draft pack to start to string out I arrive at the island on Saturday night or Sunday night before my first Kona experience what is the number one thing that I should do while on the island well, I think we covered most of the things about landmarks and stuff before but how long does it take for most of the draft packs to string out it takes a, a long week. time. Well, like if you're in that 12 to 13 hour mark, 10 to 11 to 13, yeah. you may not ever. Well, from my experiences last year, and granted I biked the majority of the Queen K, got my drafting infringement, as did about 50 other people in our pack uh, towards the end of the, the Queen K, it had not even remotely started to... Um, to filter out by that stage mm. uh, going up to Harvey still the difference there is because you're, you're slowly climbing uphill whilst it hasn't strung out it's the pace is a little more consistent and you can keep even pressure on the pedals and just ride past people versus earlier on you can't really ride past you're kind of freewheeling a lot and just trying to stay out of the draft zone but really what I'd say is once you get to the end of the Queen K and then you drop down to Kauai High then you start climbing up to Harvey it's still very um, packed, but you can keep a more consistent effort. Once you've made the turn at Harvey, then that's probably the point where I did feel that it did start to open out a little bit. Still lots of people around you, but you can get into a slightly more consistent rhythm. And the number one thing you should do while on the island, I don't really have a good answer for that. I mean, the race is the number one thing to do. Well, there's, we've, we've talked about this stuff before. As an outside of mm. Turtle Beach. Turtle Beach is cool. Just yeah. as a relaxing day. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. There's lots of touristy things you can do, but if you just want a nice day mm-hmm. by the beach with your family, if you're taking people with you, it's a nice day. And if you get to see some turtles, it's pretty special. One thing that I quite enjoyed doing last year was uh, we swam across to Captain Cook's Monument. So you can go down into this little bay uh, and then you can swim. It's about one and a half K, roughly one mile across to the monument and swim back. Um, I quite enjoyed that. Yeah, wouldn't say it's a number one thing, but quite enjoyed it. Questions, Questions and answers. answers. Good old Jean. 
sent through. Where's it there for last uh, night? Jens Olsen, I think it Jens, is. Jens, Jens. Uh, just sent through a video from Norseman 2015, a YouTube clip, which I'm going to put on our website, www.imtalk.me. And um, it was... They always do good stuff when they oh, do. They're very dramatic. Yeah, it was really well produced, um, wasn't it? Produced clips, so... It does make the race pretty appealing, doesn't it? Would you mm. do that race? I would like to do it, but it's not on my number one hit list. It'd be expensive for us to do, wouldn't it? To yep. get there and... Yep. But, you know, it's life. Jombo, let's get out of the way. So a few weeks ago on the show, now you turned up a couple of weeks ago, and I felt you were angry just yes. generally in life. Yes. You know, everything I, you know, you just, you snapped at me all morning. <sighs> I didn't give you a cuddle, you usual cuddle. Like, normally comes and gives me a hug straight away, mm. it's a little bit too close, I'm always slightly concerned. And then, uh, but th- that morning, just from the start, something was up. And I, yeah. sometimes I learn to stay away. Yeah. Dad's angry, go yeah. hide in the bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> you know, go, go hide in yeah. the bedroom to keep your head down. And then we started talking about. Now we've got an email through. So wait a second, let me pull this up. We've got an email through from. Um, it was Ironman Wisconsin, and what happened was uh, you had a, a winner called, or the person who crossed the line first place called Thomas Gerlach, and and well, I think initially we said, yeah, well done, the winner. And then I think a week later, uh, people started coming back saying he's a pro athlete. And well, we got an email through from good old Roger. Roger Thompson, he was saying he's a pro athlete, and 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 you said you weren't quite angry. You even told Roger off. Yeah, you told Roger off. You I said, did. Roger, you are wrong, and you even told me off. Yes, and I said, well, John, he's a pro. Look at it. Even his website said whatever his name is, pro athlete. And you're like, no, no. And you got all angry at us. And so I had to give Roger some time here. First of all, I would like to thank you and John for making my 75 mile ride yesterday an amazing one. I was fired up after listening to John ignorantly go on about Thomas, how does that, Gerlach, uh, not being a pro, saying, Roger, you are wrong. See, <laughs> you even said it. As well as John going on to fear to say, I guarantee, it's a yeah. guarantee, I guarantee I am right. That's what you said. He took it, uh, a stick to the mental beehive, so to speak, from WC. Yes, a pro athlete can compete. And so he's now gone to WC website and it's got this. Yes, a pro athlete can compete in an Ironman race that does not have a pro field. However, he or she has to pay the registration fee that is an, not eligible for award slots or, and is not eligible for award slots or the slots for the World Championship. So I would caution John for using words like guarantee, absolutely can bite you, <laughs> unless a New Zealand guarantee means... This is my opinion, and I may be wrong because I may have not looked into That's this. That's what it does, man. It's like that map of the world, you <laughs> That's know? right. Then, I guess he used it correctly, and then he goes to this, um, this uh, so Twitch feed where Gurach basically tried to get some sympathy, and the whole world just shit on him, basically. Uh, know that I am just giving him shit, but I don't have a microphone at the moment, so I have hack away at the keyboards. Besides, I was busy. You guys are an awesome part. He loves the show and loves your rants and all the rest of it, but yeah. So in okay. regards to Thomas Gurach, 2015, he's, he's done, he put all his results from his pro races from this year, and he's done quite a few pro races this year. I'll retract some of what I said and WTC you're wrong yes there we go so you do need to apologise to Roger Roger Roger, I'm sorry Roger and me because I got the grunt of it yeah (laughs) I I blame the wrong person (laughs) now that I've got the facts in front of me I understand both sides of the story the rules are wrong oh it's a bit ridiculous so he is a pro he does have a pro licence he was allowed to race under the rules. He did race. What was interesting is when he finished, 
they weren't acknowledging him no, at all. No, no, no. That's what they're saying. Mike Riley was. So I'm sitting here under. And it, it wasn't names. Wasn't, name wasn't even in the results initially, and then protested, and they got them put in. Well, this is the thing. If you go to Slow Twitch Forum, Thomas Gorex is complaining that they're not giving him the acknowledgement. So he's got. <laughs> um, I'm sitting here in the tent at IMS once concert, waiting for RD to come talk to me. Apparently, before I arrived at the finish, Mike Riley made the announcement that there were two pros racing and they wouldn't be counted in the results. Does anyone know if this can be removed from? If I can be removed from the results? Also, if I decide to do my pro license this year could I potentially accept a Kona slot so he's saying basically if he can get rid of turned down his pro license can he then take an age group slot oh that's mm. a bit stupid although I didn't expect to finish his banter or hoopla but you hear a third place guy was called Ironman champion over a winner seems a bit a slap in the face <laughs> so this is the guy who won it uh, it has already caused huge confusion with the people at the race you were the winner well not according to Mike Riley but thank you can anyone find in language to explain their actions and then pretty much after that he didn't get the support that he was wanting. Yeah, <laughs> he, I, I, he sounds like an interesting character. I'll put, I'll leave it at that in terms of him. So he's he's within his rights to race. Yeah, as, as I always say, you just play, play, the rules, play, play to the rules, and he was entitled to race, which seems just seems bizarre to me. What I would say is, it seems like because WTC run their races under USAT rules, yep. and I think under there you're allowed to race. Um, and so they're about, yeah, so it just seems like a bizarre situation. Why don't they just say, if you take a WTC pro license, you're not allowed to race. Not allowed there. To race. Um, they're rules, maybe sure. they're not allowed to do that because they race their events under USAT rules. But it does seem like a bizarre situation. So I think, A, Thomas Gulak was a bit of a buffhead for racing um, because if you're a pro athlete. But then at the same but time. But he's, he's a local and he may, yeah, get, he was, may, get, the argument, he may get more out of it. And also... The, the irony is, the guy, he uh, doesn't look like the kind of pro who's winning many Ironman races, no. if you know what I mean. Well, he still gets podiums yeah, no, places. Does, yeah, but, you know, but Joe Public doesn't know this isn't a pro race. Exactly. So he gets great PR from yeah. it. Yeah. You know like yeah. you know what I mean? Like, if he goes to the local sponsors, local business, say, oh, look, I just want to be Ironman this weekend. I'm a pro athlete. Mm. Doesn't need to tell them he's an age grouper. Mm. You know, like, it, it's it's good for his brand. Well, not in this situation because it's making him look like a schmuck. But yeah, so I understand both sides. But maybe WT's hands hands were somewhat tied. Um, but it's just a dumb. Uh, they, I don't know. Somehow they've got to say that if it's an age group race, pros can't race. Athletes registrations. Okay, from WT. So he had to pay. He had to pay eight hundred bucks to enter. So he paid that, whatever it was, to enter the into the race. So it, normally, as a pro, you pay your whatever it is, $750, and then you, all your race entries are covered. Oh, this pay, is where the WC is screwed. So you don't on, pay race entry fees? On slow to which Adam Beeston, uh, he's just one of the contributors here. He's just got from USTA. Athletes registered as elite pros can compete in events with less than 5000 in prize purse, hmm. but they're competing in events according to the age group rules of WESAT, not the pro rules. They cannot accept their age group awards or be included in those results. They can be listed in the overall finish position and receive any prizes on overall for overall. So the fact is there's just no money at the race. Hmm. So any other WCB race, you couldn't do this, although you'd have a pro field because there's money. Hmm. But because there's no money... So I think WTC's hands are somewhat tied, but I think they could have maybe strong, have strongly discouraged him from racing, maybe. I don't know. It just or, seems like a stupid situation. And acknowledge that you're not going to be acknowledged. Mm. You know what I mean? Because the sad thing is, it's an age group's race. And the guy who did actually win it as an age grouper had that glory taken away from him. Mm. Although it sounds like Mike Riley didn't make that happen. It was just these two random guys across the finish line. Don't worry about those guys. Yeah. <laughs> Here comes our winner. Yeah. So, so I think people are disappointed you're not angry, John. 
Yeah, and no, I understand both sides of the story, but it's a bit like, you know, if, if there was a race in Christchurch and say you were a pro yep. and I was putting on a sprint triathlon, I'd go, even if I didn't have any money, I'd be going, Bevan, can you come do my race? Yeah. Um, but you're not allowed to. If, if we said, you know, pros can't race where there's no money. Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Mm. So I understand both sides of the story on this one, but I still think there should be a rule that pros shouldn't be able to do WTC Ironman races. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think ultimately but that should be the case. Law is funny things, and we don't know all the insides outs of the rules and laws, and maybe they can't do that because the USAT rules say that. And if they're going to abide by the USAT rules, I don't know. It's been good for his brand, but everyone knows him now. Mm-hmm. So it's worked in that way. So uh, there we go, Roger. You got your apology. Well done. Okay, Jombo, what's that? Is that pretty much us? Anything else you want to mention about Kona? No, just good luck to everybody racing. Well done if you got there. Yeah, totally, man. Like for those people who've got there, look, I, well, I, we know a lot of you guys have been there before, but for some of you who are listening right now, it's your first ever time to the Big Island, and it's such a cool week. Mm. So hopefully, you have a great race out there. Learn from John's mistakes from last year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, be wise. What was your mistake? If you were to say one big mistake, I don't know. I think it was a combination of things. Uh, possibly just drank a little bit too much too early in the bike ride. Okay. Slam down a little bit too much nutrition early on. Okay, there you go. Don't do too, too, too much nutrition early. Mm. There we go, John. Patrons, I haven't got them on my list here, so you have to do the patrons. Or no, we, we've, uh, we'll we have to have a pause if we want to do some now. Oh, we'll do it next week because we're done. We're, 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 almost, we're almost pretty much up to date with our patrons. So if you want to become a patron, go to www.iamtalk.me and uh, that, if you do, you go into the draw of becoming come Come, to Kona. For this time next year, you'll, you'll be, be in with Kona us. with us and we'll be starting our interviewing Today, I will have been there for a week and a half. Anybody wants to come to Kona next year for the ultimate Kona experience? Speaking to the other day, going to come to your camp. There's a few, number of people from Christchurch that are coming across. Yeah, they said they're going to come over. So we'll be there for about a, a week and a half before the race. So we basically start down in Waikoloa and do the Harvey section of the bike ride. Uh, and then we bike over to uh, Hilo. And then we come over to Kona on Monday of race week. So you're there for the whole week. We'll still be training all week, but you'll really get the, the full buzz. And, uh, and then on race day, we'll have a, a good crew situated on the around the course and Bevan and I know all the cool places to go hey. don't know if we can get your media passes but imagine if we could yes. that'd be cool eh? oh yeah. we need 30 yeah we got 30 big big not that it does much time. for you on race day no the only cool thing about uh, the only benefit of the media pass is two benefits you get to go in the room and watch TV big, there's a big like yeah big and, and lots of cool people hanging room. out there so it's always quite fun and free food in there as well a little bit food. not much yeah, a little bit creepy. chips and drinks yeah. and stuff uh, and then in the internet and then um, doesn't work <laughs> post race finish line yep that's, that's pretty cool yeah, yeah. But other than that it's pretty much better um, okay Jombo sponsors athlinks.com so you're networking for endurance athletes extreme endurance your lactic buffer and our patrons if you want to be a patron just go dub 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 I'm talk dot me okay Jombo nice oh what's oh. that what was that? Uh, you're getting notifications. All this new bloody operating system. I've got all these notifications popping up all over the bloody I show. I hate notifications. That's yeah. face, Facebook's open. They notify you. I hate Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually meant to say notifications here, yeah, but I'm not that big a fan of Facebook either. Yeah. But I have to admit I go on there. Yeah. But I, you know, it's not the best use of my life. No. Jumbo, what's your got? This time last week, I was sitting pretty. I was thinking... Last Monday, here we go. So here the, we the, go. Girl, the, girl, the girls raced. Uh, you got rid of your anger. The girls raced on Saturday. They had a good race. They did four fifty, four fifty-five. They were happy with that. Sub five hours. 
had a drama at the race course. Oh, here we go. So it's uh, it's a trail run. And the last little stretch, I've maybe got 500 metres where you can kind of see them coming and they're yep. coming, coming across the sort of boardwalk. It's weird. The, the kids were... The, kids were having a ball because they were standing on the sides of the Because it literally track. is like a one kind of a little narrow lane, yeah. isn't it? Is you can't really, you can yeah. just go two abreast. Yeah. And so the kids were there and they were just having a high five. I got them to do high five competitions and the athletes were loving it. You know, they're coming in, 36 yeah. Ks in, absolutely smoked. And then you got five kids just, just giving, uh, them, some giving yep. them some love. They were loving it. And Thomas, we, we got there quite early and we, I, th- I thought best case scenario, they could do four and a half. I think yep. we... By the time we got there, it was don't still. I want to get there late, John. Yeah, I want to get there late. Uh, so we've been there for quite a while, and, and Thomas said, oh, I need to go pose. Uh, uh, do you really no. need to go? And I said, We'll go now. If you, if you need to go, we'll go now. And he goes, No, no, I'm all right. <laughs> and then it went on and on and on. And then he comes over, I really need to go pose now. And this was, a, this was starting to get to about the four hours 45, four oh, hours 50. I was no. like, Tom, we might miss him. We ran off and he was bloody ages. And we got back just in time to see them. Oh. So uh, that was a bit of relief. Jeez, you not the girls finished You would have been in trouble. Oh, no, that, she would have been okay. Got the video footage. Did you see the, the, the video no, I put on Facebook? Oh, check it out. You check it out. I got the girls finishing. And then the next day, you know, we're looking after the girls, take the kids off. The girls can relax. You know, no, no, no stress. And then on Monday, Phil and I had this uh, big run planned. So I run, run, run three hours and I wanted So they to, sat up there for a few days as well, did they? Yep. So I'm gonna do three hours and then we're gonna run sort of point to point to this place and meet the kids and the family for a for a bit of a bit of a lunch. And I was gonna do three really hard, good solid five K blocks in there. So sort of running a three minute forty, three minute forty five K pace. So really giving it a bit of grunt and smoked this run. Just nailed it. I think I ran thirty eight Ks, thirty nine Ks, something like nice. that. Just crushing it and uh, hit all my pace pace and stuff and I was going, yep. I'm the, I'm the business. I'm actually yeah. think I might be okay for this marathon. And what I've been doing is running every second day. Yep. It's been going really, really well for me. So what, day off? Yep. And then All the way since since I've got over the... So no kind of big... No, big no, no, no dramas. Had a good 10K a few weeks ago, that um, Governor's Bay 10K thing. All right, things are actually starting to progress. And then Phil wanted to go for a run the day after we'd done our three-hour run. I was thinking, oh, okay then. I want to show you around. Straighten my calf again. Oh, no. So I took pretty much all last week off running. Went for a, and it was just it wasn't strained. It was just a bit tight. So yeah. I'm turning around. I'm going back. You've been cautious. And it got a little bit tighter as I got back. But I thought oh, I might be able to get through this. So just ramp the stretching back up again. So I took the rest of the week off. Went for a run on Saturday. Run ran about three k and thinking oh, I can feel a little bit, but that's okay. I'll just stop and have a little stretch. Stop and have a, just a little stretch, and then it's just gone again. Do you do any strengthening? Yep. You do. Yep. Oh, you poor thing. Yeah. So I'm pretty annoyed. So what? You think you're going to still race? Don't know. I'll, I'll try, but I, it's gonna. This next few weeks, you're a bit now, right? this yeah. next few weeks yeah. was going to be make or break if I could do a good run. So we've already had one week off, so it's not looking particularly promising. But I can still carry the shopping bags. Always a silver lining, people. What do you mean carry the shopping bags? Well, the girls are coming up as well. Oh, okay. No, your place. Yeah. Yep. So I know. What are you doing there anyway? Let's be honest. And always a silver lining. If we make the final of the World Cup, it means I get to watch the World Cup. Yeah. Yep. Otherwise, I'll be running during the World Cup. I've been running, John. Good. <laughs> I did it. You ta- I can transfer my entry. Tag you in. Oh, shit. No, I'm, I'm in Sweden. But um, no. I, I think you're back, I'll yeah? tell you my problem. I'm, no, I'm on the plane. Oh, okay. Remember, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah I'm on the that's plane. That's right. Um, no, I've been, I've done the last three weeks, I've done maybe 10 runs and I'm getting up to about 16, 17K. Yeah. On Saturday, John, I did. Uh, I ran out to the downs. I ran around the, the quarry. I don't normally run around yeah. there. It's a bit of a maze, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you can kind of get lost in there. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. And then I kind of ran, so I ran from here to the quarry, did maybe 6K in the quarry, and then ran back. And I thought, I'll try, I'll try to do the last 20 minutes 
under four minute Ks, which I know is not that fast, but for me, I've been running a long time. And I managed to sit on 345s for 20 minutes. But I tell you what, John, I was killing myself <laughs> to do it. I was, I was, because especially because through the downs, because mm-hmm. I wanted to, literally, when I went through the downs, I thought, I've got to stay up for four minutes, especially yeah. on those little spiky bits. Yeah. And I was, God, I was killing myself. <laughs> Jeepers, creepers. Um, and I was thinking, fire at me. And I used to like try to run an Ironman, you know, you know, not much faster than this. Yeah. I'm not much slower than this. And uh, so, yeah, I'm definitely, need to chap it up a little bit on my running. But it's good to be, get back into it. It's all right. I don't want to get injured, so I'm taking a slow path. Yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's I didn't good. want to get injured either. And I was being sensible. One moment where I wasn't sensible, screwed it. I blame the fillinator. Fill- keep to your plan, John. Yeah. Don't be influenced by bad influences. Yeah. Do you know what I even did yesterday? What did you do? Wait, wait, what did you do? I went for a mountain bike ride. Back it up. <laughs> I know. Back it up. I should have backed it up. What were you thinking? <laughs> that I'm happens not. when you get in, you're a little bit worried about something, you think, oh, I'll do something new, you get on the mountain bike, oh and then you start gosh. going downhill and you think, what oh. was I thinking? <laughs> well, I didn't have that opportunity because I was isolated at the top of the hill. So because oh, of the wind? Well, no, I did. I rode a trainer session on Saturday, did a, quite a long trainer session on Sunday, did about, about two hours uh, watching, no, uh, oh, cycling, yep. watching the rugby, watching the Australia-England game. Oh, what a great game. I was, and, and I wasn't going to stay on for the whole game, and I thought, actually, I'm quite enjoying this. I yeah. think I'll stick with this. Uh, so I didn't really want to be on the trainer again, so I thought I'll go out for a ride. And it was a nice afternoon, a bit windy. Biked all the way up to the top of the hills. Thought, yeah, sweet. And I, I haven't got a special mountain bike. It's just a bit of a clunker. And I uh, started going along the trails and thinking, there's a reason why I don't mountain bike. I was pretty sure I was going to break my collarbone. Oh, it's pretty scary if you haven't got the skill set. And that's the thing. I'm okay on the bike skills-wise, but I was woeful. Yeah. Just pitiful. Well, and that's the problem. You come off, you, you, you can really hurt yourself, can't yeah. you? Yeah. So it was moderately technical stuff. Some big rocks along those tracks. They always seem easy when you're running along there. I'm thinking, this is easy. Yeah. Some big rocks. I was crap. Really crap. I'm not doing exterior. I would like to do an exterior, but yeah. I'd like to do one where it's it's riding. Yeah. But that technical stuff, man, I was crap. Yeah. I don't mind technical stuff where you kill corners and stuff, but going over rocks and all that stuff, you just I was crapping myself. Well, the problem is that attitude makes you worse. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think the, the key to being one of those good riders is obviously you need a great skill set, but then politically it goes really important. Mm. And uh, yeah, when you're sitting on brakes all the time, it ain't happening. What's happening else in your world, Bevan? Um, what's happening? Well, I'm just kind of preparing to go. I got a, Suddenly, my, my second half of the year looked really easy about a month ago. Mm-hmm. And now I've got... Taiwan, and I'm going to LA. I'm oh, sorry, going to Sweden, and now I've been booked to Taiwan as well, and yeah. got a trip to Melbourne. So, poor me, John. I hope the show survives. I think we'll get through it. Yeah, I think we'll truck on through. We'll make it work. We always have, John. We've got to make sure we get to ten years without missing a, a week. Yeah. Well, the good thing is nowadays with my other show, I got lots of good interviews that we can use over mm-hmm. Christmas. Did a great interview for uh, that I released yesterday with the guy who wrote Mindless Eating. Mm-hmm. Um, Mindless Eating, which is basically how does your environment influence the way you eat. And uh, he's put out a new book called Slim by Design. And so I actually interviewed him and released that one yesterday. And a really good interview. So if you are, he's, he's just little things. Like he was basically saying, because these guys just research how does, you know, simple things like if your plate's smaller, you eat less kind of stuff. Yeah. But if you have a messy desktop, a messy kind of kitchen bench top, the chance of you eating poorly increases by 70%. People, you just things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have bad food in more than one location, massively increases your chance of eating bad food. Whereas if you put all bad food in one place mm-hmm. and make it a little bit difficult to find, you'll eat a lot healthier. And so just all of these types of things. And this guy spent his whole life researching what are those things that make us make bad decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, um, one of these, I'm not sure if you see this in an interview in the book, but when you cook dinner, pack the food away as you're dishing the food. 
Because what a lot of people do is when they're packing up afterwards, they eat another meal. Right. You get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's all these little things that actually we don't, it's actually one of the main reasons we put a lot of weight on is we're unawareness around how we're eating. So if you want to check that out, go to bevanjamesisles.com and you can get fitness behavior or subscribe on iTunes. Other than that, Jombo. Mm, it's kind of week. Kind of week. It's kind of week. Sunday, mate. So lock it in. The plan, my plan next week is to see if we can get a few interviews, post-race interviews. It's just not the same. We've got interviews this year. We've, we've dropped the ball a little bit this year on the interviews, but yep. it's been well, hard for I us. want to try to get some post-race stuff if we can, so we'll try our hardest to, to, to line up a bunch of interviews. So the problem is, obviously, the race is Saturday. Sunday, people are just, just trying to chill out and, and probably <laughs> won't be checking their emails too much, and then Monday, they're all hungover. So we'll do the best we can, and what I would like to be doing over the next few weeks is Bevan's going to be away. I'm going to be trying to do some interviews with um, some top age groupers. So if you guys have got any recommendations for people that have either raced Kona or top age groupers yeah, I'm, I'm more focused on the Kona ones they have raced and you know I've got a good story and can relate to the audience a bit more you know if they're a full time pro age grouper essentially then probably not necessarily going to relate to the audience but people who've got families got jobs just make it all happen and stuff uh let me pop, pop me a note and we'll try to get them lined up over the There's this really weeks. good guy called, um, I think it's Thomas Gerlach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He'd be really good into it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, guys, so let's wrap it up. Let's do it, John. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kick, Kick hard. hard.